Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse. This is episode 303. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. I was going to make a 303 band joke, but I don't know how insular that is to, um, you know, me and my friends. But yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about, so that's yeah. all right. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, as a DC Comics podcast. Connor's not here. Um, <laughs> he will be back next week in fact we're swapping Matt for Connor next week because Matt will be missing a week yes. next week uh, so next week uh, there's a later load of books so me and Connor are going to catch up with Patreon books next week so uh, if you're looking for those you'll find them then uh, but on this week's show we will be discussing the following Justice League issue 75 which is the death of the Justice League special mm-hmm. edition issue thingamajig we also got Detective Comics 1059 Action Comics 1042, Deathstroke Inc. Issue 8, Robin Issue 13, both of those being a part of Shadow War, mm-hmm. The Swamp Thing Issue 12, Dark Knights of Steel Issue 6, and Rogues Issue 2. That is what's coming up on the show. So. I think for the first time in a while we completely line up in what we read. Oh yeah, there's no... Uh, the, you there's know, no what, singular. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, uh, with Connor, have read all those books. Probably not Death of the Justice League, because he seems to be pretty out on the event. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but he'd have read everything else, I think. Yeah. So that, he, he was he was jumping back into Deathstroke for the Shadow War, right? Yeah, yeah. Because so, he had stopped, so... So even uh, he would have read seven out of eight, eight books. Yeah. So my. What a week, what a week. Busy week. That's good. A lot of books we got, you know, obviously the lead into one event. We've got a big crossover going, a couple issues of that. So a lot of things to talk about. Uh, but of course, there is always time for a top 10. Comicsology top 10, uh, that may I add. So uh, this is the top 10 digital comics sold on Comicsology as of the time of recording. Um, so we'll get into it. Uh, Matt, you can feel free to guess number one. Um, well, I only know this because the guy at the shop thought it'd be funny to recommend it to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, Saga is number one. No. What? <laughs> wow. He was so, like, you should read it. Everybody's reading it. And I was like, I'm all right, man. I've, I've gotten through 58. I might come back to it sometime. I mean, I appreciate recommending Saga because I have read the first yeah. like 24 issues and it's phenomenal what yeah. I've read of it. But you can't just jump into Saga. You have to go back to the yeah. start and you have to read it in order. And, <laughs> just... and that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to get okay. me to buy the hardcover. And I said, no, thank you, sir. <laughs> Dang. Oh, man. I am, I am flabbergasted. Um, Is it a DC book? It is a DC book. Is it Justice League 75? It is Justice League 75. Okay, there you go. The, the, the selling it. The selling copy is mm-hmm. Justice League's a draw, brother. Uh, so, yes, that's number one. Number two is Amazing Spider-Man issue one. What? <laughs> this is a new issue one. Amazing Spider-Man, they renumbered again. I'm looking at this. I'm seeing what they... Yeah, they're renumbering it because they, they have the legacy number underneath it, and it's eight ninety five. So, wait, just in time for Spider Man's sixtieth anniversary. Wait, they're renumbering five issues before issue nine hundred. Are they insane? Yes. The, oh, it's just stupid. What, what madness? 
number three is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, the Last Ronin, I believe. Yeah, issue five. That's the four. Three of the turtles are dead, and there's one left, and I still don't know who the last Ronin is, which is good. Which means people haven't spoiled it. So, I think I saw it in the news article. I think I know who it is, just based gotcha. on whatever. Uh, so, so is is this like the end of the IDW continuity? Is this actually? Or, I mean, maybe unless they all come back somehow, but you know. Yeah. Well, no. This is, I think, like a, a Dark Knight Returns style. Ah, I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, so. Cool, cool, cool. Um, that's, that's quite an expensive book, actually, that issue mm-hmm. five. Uh, I guess it's got a meter page count. Uh, yeah. Number four is Saga, issue 58. Wow. Comicsology, yeah. Uh, number five is Thor, issue 24. Okay. Number six is Knights of X, issue one. So, <laughs> what are these X-Men minis? I didn't even see that on here. Yeah. Uh, number seven is Batman Beyond the White Knight, issue one. So, okay. DC again. Uh, number eight is Dark Knights of Steel, issue six. Number Good nine showing. is Sabretooth, issue three. Uh, that's a miniseries, that's just three or five. Uh, and then number right. 10 is Robin, issue 13. Interesting. So, there's a, there's a few yeah. uh, interesting things. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool that that Turtles book is uh, making the top 10, honestly. Yeah. I think it's the last issue, too, so that might be why there's the bigger page count. Um, yeah. It's the culmination of it all. But, yeah. So, I mean, that's your top 10, but it is worth mentioning. Like 11, 12, and 13 are all DC as well. Action's 11, okay. Deathstroke Inc. is number 12, and then Detective is number 13. So, uh, DC is still pretty healthy in the top 20. Uh, yeah much. and it's weird to me that part three is below part four right because you would think if you're getting the the event yeah but i think it's just a case of some people just buy robin because yeah. they've been reading robin yeah. and right. maybe haven't went to read it yet and haven't realized oh wait right. this is part four i need to go back and get something right. else so that that's the only thing that sticks out weird to me but there's probably way more people reading robin than deathstroke inc at this point yeah so. And it's only two slots, so I could buy the actual difference mm-hmm. is probably quite slim, and that might just be the reason for it. Yeah. So. But yeah, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, Data Justice League doing well, given that it's mm-hmm. up against a new Spider-Man number one and an issue of Saga. The fact that mm-hmm. it's still is at number one is quite good, so. Yeah. Uh, Very good. The big event stunt work issues still work, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> and that's putting it nicely. Yeah. Uh, stunt issue. So there you go. Uh, uh-huh. All right. Well, uh, we don't have any like news about the comics themselves, but there is a sad mm-hmm. bit of news this week to to mention before we get into the books, mm-hmm. uh, and that is the passing of Neil Adams, legendary uh, comic creator. Um, obviously, heavily shoot with Green Arrow, Green Lantern, uh, uh-huh. done a lot of Batman stuff, uh, a lot of Batman I mean, artwork. Kind of. I feel like his style has informed comics for now. Because, like, the way that he drew Roz, I mean, he was, mm. I think he's a co-creator of Roz with Denny O'Neill. I mean, that, that style going forward, they've never really deviated from from that and all the different iterations. Um, and just he left his mark on modern, you know, modern artists. Uh, but, like, I also see people talking about how much, um, how much creator rights got pushed because of, of Neil Adams. Which I think is really cool. Um, like the whole Superman, Seagull, Schuster thing was was partially because of him. 
Um, it's just it's super sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of those things where sometimes when these de- these deaths happen, is I, I don't see the announcement. I see people on Twitter sharing things that sound like someone has yep. died, and I'm like, wait, did someone? And then I have to sort of go back and see. Yep. Uh, it's a, it's an awkward way to find out, but it obviously can't help it. Uh, people are going to talk about it and, mm-hmm. and react when they hear these things. But uh, so yeah, that was some sad news this week. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Do you, Do you have any Neil Adams stuff that comes to mind automatically besides hard traveling heroes? You know, I uh, don't think I do because I don't think I've actually went back and read a lot of it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly, um, you know, it's one of those things where I've seen the various collections with his name on it, mm-hmm. uh, and I've considered reading them, and I haven't got around to them yet. Uh, maybe this is a good reason to actually make some time for some of them now. But yeah, um, but he's a very influential name. He's a, he's a name that pops up constantly oh, yeah. in, in the comic world. Yeah, that that cover of Superman versus Muhammad Ali, you know, and he drew in all the different celebrities. You know, and he took extra time to make that look nice. And, and you know, uh, a personal story with him and me is I knocked over some stuff at his booth by accident and he yelled at me. <laughs> <laughs> and I apologized profusely. Um, and he goes, ah, it's fine. You didn't mean it. You could at least buy something. And did, so did you buy something, Matt? No, because everything was super expensive. Um, you know, it was a lot of prints and original stuff of uh, his and yeah i you know just a little bit too close and i said oh my god i'm so sorry my backpack knocked over some books and you know he was he was all all the bit of a of someone in their 70s which i appreciate you know but you know other than that he seemed pretty nice and happy to be there i get it i get irritated and i'm nowhere near in my 70s so um but yeah uh, neil adams will be missed uh and it's just kind of a shame that my brain goes to his later stuff that we try to read here. Um, mm. Like the, the Superman story and Batman Odyssey, which I don't know if we did on here. I don't know if that I was remember. before our time or not, but it just, it was, you know, wasn't the best. And, but I, I chose, I'm choosing to focus on why he's legendary and like creating one of my favorite villains in Ra's al Ghul. You know, like ah, I mean, yeah. I mean, super... there, there's so many creators who had a, a golden age where they were very influential, mm-hmm. and then had a couple of you know weaker years later yeah. on. I mean, that's not that strange. No, no and he had that dead, dead man book, which I've heard good things about. I don't know, maybe it was from Tim, but I had heard his dead man that he did recently was actually because that was one of Neil Adams's like go to characters back in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So, um. I might check that out now. Like you, you want to go back and look at the classic stuff. I feel like I should check out his Dead Man because that is a character. That, since we've been doing the show, I have a, you know, a new appreciation for. Yeah, which is impressive given how little he's really been around. Yeah. But you know, yeah. uh, these, a couple of key stories can do a lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of work for someone. For sure. Uh, so cool. Uh, but that's uh, that's that. Um, so. Yeah, we got a lot of big stuff about this week, so I, I'm just going to fire yeah. straight into the into the list, uh, and we're going to kick off with the big one, which is Justice League issue 75. Joshua Williamson writing with Rafa Sandoval on the art, and I, I think the the key thing here is that if you didn't read the last Williamson mini, which was Justice League Incarnate, yes, was yes, there was that one. Yeah, because there was also Infinite Frontier, and was, I was yeah. getting. 
all that... the eyes confused. So yes. Yes, Frontier was before, yeah. Right. Uh, so this basically falls straight on from that. Like, you know, the first couple of pages, like, okay, all the Justice League are disappearing. They've been teleported somewhere mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden. But then you realize they're going to Justice League Incarnate because of what's happened in that book. Mm-hmm. And so if you didn't read that, they did a recap. It, like, you know, President Superman does a quick, here's what's going yeah. down, Superman. This is what you need yeah. to know. But Do- Dr. Batman is dead. <laughs> like, okay we're jumping right in um some some nice moments with the justice league and the jli or the Justice league incarnate like with captain carrot um and stuff but yeah i just uh, this was very underwhelming i'll just get out there quick um and, and i came in with lower expectations but being being a big williamson fan and, and liking most of jl justice league incarnate this kind of just felt like like a, a placeholder it was a little bit weird because i felt the mm-hmm. death itself of the justice league members was kind of just sudden and yeah I, like i don't know why pariah suddenly has the power to just go blah with his hand and and here's my thing what's <laughs> the point of assembling all of these baddies right like doomsday and dark side and like these are justice league like having to come together and fight you put them all like necron you put them all on one team and the justice league still just handles them and then it turns out that they're not even the ones that kill the justice league it's pariah with the hand wave yeah it's well, just, I mean, it's just wonky. they make a point that they're not really fighting like themselves because they're basically being puppeted so you know that the superman points out this is not how dark side normally fights he's not usually just as much of a simple brute kind of thing right but then to me looking at this storytelling wise besides getting the cool shot of them all there and this you know the sense of dread why assemble that group and set them against the justice league i have to assume that it's beyond this though it's just for the actual event itself it's not just for this i hope so i hope that's what it's for that, that because, was my assumption because I, I, here they're they're underutilized too for such the build that it led to and if it, incarnate if they were built for just this then yeah it's kind of an underwhelming disappointment if but i'm assuming there's going to be more with them being the enforcers for the great darkness in the actual dark crisis okay i i hope so uh, um i mean i do think there's a couple of good moments i i actually think because I thought they were all, all going to die one by one in different ways because yeah. because green arrow dies first and he has this great kind of a good death actually where he has this really badass moment where Pariah is powering up his machine and Oliver says I'm just about to save the day and he fires an arrow that goes through and uh, past all the fights that are going on so you got Superman fighting Darkseid you got Batman Mm -hmm. fighting whoever Wonder Woman's fighting Ares and the arrow just sort of goes through them all and hits the device you know uh, Pariah's thing I can't remember what it's called Uh, and he's antimatter something something and it blows it up and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, Oliver was just a bit of a badass and was the one that saved the day because no one was paying attention to him. And then he dies instantly. And it's like, you know, Black Canary's holding him in her arms. It's like, oh, yeah. that was nice. He got this great big heroic moment before he dies. And then I expected, oh, who's going to be next? But then in one page, the entire Trinity get taken out by Pariah, mm-hmm. by him just sort of aiming his hand at them because he's got that mm-hmm. power now. And, and blinking them out of existence. Yeah, because uh-huh. it's, it's sort of this page where um, it's a series of little panels with their faces sort of going more and more old as if their skin's withering, and then eventually it's, it's more, you know, almost a skeleton-like 
kind of thing. Do you know what it reminded me of? Uh, go on. Barry's death in Crisis. Oh, as a as a bit of that actually, yeah, probably intentionally so. Right, and the fact that they're all looking for Barry, right, and Barry's in that. We know where he's at in that you know perfect world, and the fact that Pariah just wants everybody to be happy—that's what he keeps saying. Um, it makes me wonder if this is them like being because because Barry ended up going into the Speed Force like all flashes do, right? Um, so it makes me wonder if they're being sent to somewhere similar. That's not quite a planet, right? That's like a something in between. Um, and that, that's eventually how, cause we all know that, that that's an open door, especially when you have characters this big, um, you know, they, I don't think they're going to the, the other realm, like Wonder Woman already escaped that. It's worth mentioning as well that Justice League Incarnate all get killed in the same manner. The, the book yeah. just, <laughs> it's just kind of funny. It's called the death of Justice League. I'm like, Hey, Justice League Incarnate got killed as well. <laughs> they're Justice League as well. <laughs> uh, you know, Spectre's being controlled by the Great Darkness as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I do like, I think Black Adam's got a couple of, because Black Adam's like the last person standing and yeah. has a good moment with uh, Pariah where he sa- he finally says Shazam. And I, you know, I like the build up to that and then the lightning strike in the next page. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a couple of good little moments of that. Uh, but eventually, you know, we go back to the Hall of Justice and Wally's there with Naomi, Detective Chimp, Firestorm, John shows up. And they're like, hey, what happened to all the Justice League members? And then Black Adam crashes through the roof and says the Justice League are dead. And that's kind of your big cliffhanger for Get Out of Dark. So, I mean, this issue was effectively just, they get teleported to Justice League Incarnate. Oh, the Great Darkness thing's happening. We have to go there right now. They all go. They get their asses kicked by the team of villains, but mainly just Pariah, and get killed. And Black Adam's going to, you know, so we're going to start the, the event with Just League are dead, it's up to these... And I'm I'm excited for this other generation of heroes having to solve the problems yes, and having to do the fight, but... That's the big selling point for me. So people are like, oh, if this is indicative of what it's going to be like, and I'm like, well, this is just taking the Justice League off the board so, like, the legacy characters can have their crisis. And if that's what this is, I'm okay with that, being that I love the concept of DC as a whole, and, you know, the whole how we have this next generation of heroes, and it fits in line with the story that Williamson was telling through Infinite Frontier, you know, that the next yeah. generation is waiting. Um, and so if this is their moment and this is their big story, I, I really appreciate all that because this last page, right, is, you know, you have John, Wally and Naomi, you yeah. know, all all legacy characters in their own way. Um, and also it's notable. This is the first time Naomi has been written by someone that's not Pindus. That I, at least that I can think of. That's probably true. Yeah. And and knowing that Bendis and Williamson, like that's one of his mentors, um, Williamson's uh, Bendis is Williamson's. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and and that's you know that adds to the story as well. I mean, it had to happen eventually because unless mm-hmm. Bendis killed her when he was leaving. <laughs> right. Well, no, I know, but like being that Williamson's the first person that gets to do that in a story about legacy, you know, taking character from from your mentor. Mm. and being able to use her in a story even if this is the only part that she shows up in you know him wanting to include her in the justice league scene yeah for, um, for the record i don't think this cool. is actually a bad issue i think it's just a really kind of just okay issue it's you know it's, it's got yeah. it's got a couple of nice moments the art's pretty good from sandoval uh mm-hmm. but it's also a kind of generic and and, and yeah. you know it, it, the deaths don't feel that they're, they're big enough it feels very sudden 
and not in yeah. a shocking way, just in it more was... of a oh, that's it, that's that, that just like yeah. that, okay. <laughs> and it didn't help that that like creators like like I, it probably wasn't Williamson himself, but like I felt like the vibe around this was like oh yeah, it's gonna blow your minds, and we're like well, no, he has overpromised and underdelivered. It... You never want to do that. Yeah, it, it largely feels a, a little bit of being here, done this. Like, this doesn't feel special in any way because, yep. you know, we've done crises before. This just feels... Right. Yeah. yeah, but it's a very readable issue. Like, it's... And it is a good lead-in to, to Dark Crisis because where it leaves you, like, that that image of a wounded Black Adam, you know, crashing into the Hall of Justice, that feels like the start of a crisis event. Yeah, and like I say, the selling point for me is it's the younger generation having to mm-hmm. be the ones to save the day. So I hope it stays true to that and I'll be happy. Did you notice that nice little touch at the start when Superman's teleported away? He's in full uniform and he's, you know, he's, he's he seems to be normal, but he does say he's, or, you know, he's, he's orbiting War World. And I, yeah. I, so I think that's a little hint that this is set after the end of that story. Is that, a little bit, yeah. You know, the War World does exist in some form, but what for, you know, maybe it's just like a haven now for like the... The right? Kryptonians. You know, this is their new planet, effectively. Right for the uh, the Philogians, yeah, and and all them, and the Warworlders too. Like, yeah, well, we'll talk about this when we get to action. But it, it made me think of something yeah. just now. Is is if a if there's no Warworld or there's still War Zones, do they get a new name? You know, that, that's all. Philogians. <laughs> yeah, but that was only the Kryptonian ones or the Philogians. I'm talking about the people that live on Warworld. No, I know, right? but I'm saying yeah. if if the Philosians are taking control, yeah. then the Warzons become Philozuns. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> I was just like, he's just saying Philosians wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, making a pun. Uh, it, was, it was a subtle pun, but there was a pun in there. Uh, yeah, so... You know, it's like, I, I, I don't really have any hot takes for it because it's, it's just kind of by the numbers as far as this, which is, you know, maybe really disappointing to some people, which yeah, is fair. Um, Ollie getting tra- uh, uh, completely obliterated by Doomsday kind of made me laugh a little bit <clears throat> just because it's so, it feels like a cartoon. Um, well, yeah, yeah, there but, was a point actually where he's like dodging Doomsday and I'm like, that's Doomsday. You have yeah. no hope against Doomsday, Oliver. Yeah. Run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he just gets completely trounced. Yeah, and... there is a nice little moment actually that that I did enjoy where Darkseid kind of like snaps out of it and is himself for like a moment. Yeah, and he's pissed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's going to so, be a reckoning for the great darkness. Yeah, I do like the idea that maybe towards the end of the Dark Crisis, if they free all the villains, like they may all turn around and say, "Well, <laughs> we, yeah. we're taking you out first. Also, did 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 we figure out that the one we couldn't figure out is Eclipso? Because cause seeing Eclipso pop up on here, um, I didn't remember him from before, from the from the shadows. I don't think we were confused by Eclipso. Okay, because remember there was one that we couldn't figure out who it might be? Um, and I can't remember who which one it was. Because we figured Necron and Ares, but there was one kind of in the back that were like, who could that be? Uh, so I, I thought th- maybe that was Eclipso, but I figured I would have picked up on Eclipso. I'd have to go back and check again. Yeah, but uh, to to that original image, but there was no one in this that I was surprised to see. So I, I yeah, don't... no, I was just like, oh yeah, Eclipso's there. Um, but I figured I would have been a lot more excited had I recognized his, you know. Um, also, can we talk about John Stewart and his Green Lanterny? I I assume that's happened in his book. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is what I'm missing. Okay. Um, 
I'll be honest, seeing him with that weird green glow, not the regular green lantern glow, but he's got yeah. this different thing going on, it was really like, ah, you know what, I think I made the right choice dropping that book. <laughs> he's very much like, remember when Kyle became Ion? Yeah, yeah, he, the Ion he vibes. He emanated the green from his, like, this is like John Stewart's Ion. and um, like, But I do like that page where he creates a Justice League out of you know Green Lantern energy. Um, and I feel like that was just an excuse for Sandoval to be able to draw different characters and um, it works because that page looks great you know but you got you know dead man and hal and cyborg plastic man just characters that you normally wouldn't get to see in something like this i mean there's no reason why hal can't I still don't know what that yeah i would say hal's but, not someone you would normally see in this it's just if anything it's more special yeah. that he's not here <laughs> right so but i think that's a really cool looking page um but you know like sandoval's a, a, a decent level artist for something like this so um, yeah but yeah all right we had a fairly delightful conversation about why this is effectively a six out of ten if connor was here <laughs> and he had read it it'd be like oh it wasn't very good this is that i'm just not feeling it i couldn't care about anything <laughs> that's my impression of connor wait i thought connor wasn't here and he just showed up for a <laughs> Uh, let's see if I predicted your rating. Matt, what are you rating Justice League 75? I'll be in a 6.5. Oh, there you go. That was close. You close? Yeah. I'll give it... I could be swayed to the point 0.5. I'm just going to give it a straight 6, I think. Uh, you know, I think it's serviceable. It's perfectly readable, but it's, you know, it's, there's nothing really special about it. It feels... The deaths don't feel that impactful, except Green Arrows, no. who gets his big moment, uh, even if the actual getting swatted like a fly by Doomsday is a little bit funny. Yeah. <laughs> um... It's just the angles at which his legs go. It feels like Wiley e. Coyote to me. <laughs> but, yeah, that's all. Uh, that's pretty good. All right. So there you go. That's just Seek 75. Detective Comics 1059, Mariko Tamaki and Nadia Shamas writing with Ivan mm-hmm. Reese on the art. So this is Tamaki's last arc. Uh, she's got mm-hmm. a cool writer. I'm going to leave it. This is our last arc before we get to our, I'm going to very exciting new yep. team as well. But uh, it's nice uh, for Tamaki to get sort of one last hurrah in the book before she says goodbye. Yeah. And um, yeah, so this is she introduces uh, a goatee wearing Riddler. Yeah. Um, I like this version of Riddler. Uh, the, it's something that I haven't seen with Riddler before. Not just the goatee or whatever, but the way that he's... It reminds me of who's the, who's the guy that they use in... Um, like like dark side stories who's like he becomes the voice of dark side and they send him in first to like soften people up to dark side's message um oh. I, uh, glorious godfrey is that him yeah so yeah, like, yeah, yeah yeah it's definitely godfrey um, i don't know if, i don't yeah. I mean, I mean, glorious but godfrey yeah definitely Godfrey. yeah but i remember in final crisis he was a like a talk show host and he was like ramping people up to you know the message of dark side and so for Riddler to become like this pirate radio guy leaving like riddles for people and like getting in their head that way. I think that's that's real cool because, you know, I feel like we've been overexposed to Riddler a little bit the last couple months um, between the movie and some of the stories in uh, in the comics and stuff. But hey, this is this worked for me. Yeah, Um and I was just, I wanted to double check here, but I believe Godfrey was voiced by Tim Curry in one of the seasons of the Justice League animated series. Oh. 
That would make a lot of sense. I think he was. Some no, 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 Young Justice. It was Young Justice, not Justice okay. League. Sorry, sorry. Uh, but I think I think it was only one season though. Then he replaced them, so it was really noticeable when it wasn't Tim Curry anymore. Gotcha. Uh, if I'm misremembering that, people let me know. But I, I'm sure yeah. it was. Uh, it was a great choice for it, anyway. Uh, regardless, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, he's doing this like live. I mean, it's a radio show, effectively. But obviously, it's yeah. it's you know, it's just more like a, a live podcast these days mm-hmm. than anything. Uh, and he's talking about you know, when is a murder or not a murder? He's clearly provoking minds. Batman's wondering mm-hmm. what he's up to. But the main story, because that, that sort of all plays out as people are commuting at the start of the day, and yep. the sun's rising. Uh, it's about atmosphere and sort of, you know, prologue. The main story is we have this judge who is, a, who is you know, attacked. There's an explosive put in her bin uh, right after she's mm-hmm. sent in someone. And he, he gives her this look, which is kind of like, oh, you know, threatening. Yeah. Uh, Batman shows up, stops the explosive, or tries to. There's a second one in the same bin, though. So there's, it still goes off, but no one gets hurt. Uh, and then it, this, turn, this judge turns out to be Deb Donovan's daughter. Yeah, it's uh, Judge Donovan. Yeah. Which, when they first announced, like, the Honorable, and I was like, huh, there's some relation here, but what is it? Wasn't expecting it to be Deb's daughter. Um, And again, if the biggest thing that Tamaki's given us is the character of Deb Donovan, you know, being turned in from, like, this Ben Yurk-type uh, reporter to, like, a full-on character who you care about her her personal life, I think that's really good. I think what's uh, interesting to me is that I don't think we've seen Deb be just blatantly concerned for someone before. Yeah. So when she gets the phone call that her daughter was like almost killed in an explosion, mm-hmm. she actually gets scared and like runs to the hospital and just as you know, because normally she's got that reporter face on. She's trying, you know, she's being inquisitive. She's yeah. trying to get to the story. Uh, it, it kind of drops for a couple of pages where we actually get to see her just be concerned about someone. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Bruce shows up with flowers to try and like dig into the the story himself a little bit for obvious reasons. And just reasons. pisses her off, which I love. I love their dynamic. <laughs> and, and Bruce knows what he's doing, right? Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go you know rattle her a little bit, just see see what I can find out about the judge. He goes to provoke um, the you know Deb, and then sort of you know flirts a bit with the judge. Uh, yep. Gets her on a coffee date, uh, but you know the, the investigation and. It it turns out to this thing where this woman that he traces all this stuff back to just confesses immediately and wants to be taken in, you know, with no mm-hmm. fuss. And then there's other incidents and the people behind those just confess immediately. And what's odd is that all of these people have no histories with criminal activity. They have no mm-hmm. real motives to do what they're doing. So clearly these people are either being blackmailed into this or mind-controlled or manipulated. There's something, you know? There's definitely yeah. something pushing them into it. Uh, and obviously with Riddler, uh, he goes back on the, 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 the radio waves the next day and he drops a hint, you know, he's riddles about a curtain call, right? <laughs> and sure enough, the next next thing that happened, there's a, there's a body found in an opera house. And it's like, okay, so clearly Riddler is in some way connected or knows something about what's going on. So... Um, it's a pretty engaging mystery so far, I would say. I'm kind of, you know, I enjoyed, yeah. I enjoyed Batman talking to the, the, the rookie cop, mm-hmm. uh, about the crime scene, and, uh, there's like a gas incident somewhere, and Batman goes and deals with that, and again, the guy just immediately, you know, wants mm-hmm. to confess, and, and whatever. Um, the final tease, though, the cliffhanger, uh, aside from Riddler being more ominous riddles again, uh, on the air, 
is that it sounds like Judge Donovan is also involved and that she mm-hmm. you know she's on the phone at the end and says um don't call me we'll speak at the next meeting i did what you asked you know mm-hmm. so and you promised no one would be hurt so she seemed to know that there was going to be a bomb or at least one of the incidents i'm assuming it's the one she was involved in directly uh-huh and um you know to what end is this to manipulate batman is it riddler who's forcing them all to do this is he behind it all or is that a red herring and he just knows about it in some way yeah so i'm wondering if this is this is him knowing it's going on and some of my favorite takes on riddler is him wanting to prove he's a better detective than batman Mm. and so i wonder if this is him like he knows what's going on but he's you know so he's leading batman along so then eventually he'd be like, look, I figured this out before you did. But no one's going to believe me because I'm Riddler. So uh, because he's leading them on there. So like the the opera one, he the hint that he gives was, you know, it's only called a here after the lady sings or the fat lady sings. And it's a curtain call. And then the body that was found was stabbed to death after the opera was over. So, again, is Riddler involved in these? Like, is this like a cult around Riddler or is he solving this before? you know batman i don't know and that's what i like yeah that's pretty interesting i also like the idea that the one character who deb drops like her stick with her daughter Mm -hmm. is actually someone who's involved in some way now we don't know if she's a villain yet i mean the fact that she says you promised no one would get hurt does imply that she has some sort of moral compass it is just evil so but it is interesting that deb at some point is going to have to learn about her daughter's involvement in this and the potential Mm -hmm. drama from that that normally isn't that exciting but i think because with deb she's been so like tough reporter lady with every single Mm -hmm. character she's interacted with since the start of her appearances that have introducing a character who she's a little bit more like you know loving with because it's her daughter and then immediately saying oh no she's the one that's going to have information she's the one that's going to be relevant uh and that's something for us to explore uh i, I mean i expect Bruce's coffee deal whether it'll happen next issue and we can oh yeah well and also uh, the person that put the bomb there was a social media influencer mm. so i'm also wondering if whoever's doing this is using it through social media and it is like uh, a possibly. mind control thing and um, technically riddler's using social media right now he's using social media to get through and like you know uh the judge is on the phone Right, talking about if I did this, so did she get wrapped up in something? Like you said, she was maybe blackmailed into doing this. But it's it's again, uh, since Tamaki's been on the book, these have been detective stories first and foremost, which I really love. In a you know, the book's called Detective Comics, so it never feels just like a, you know, like a Batman story that could just happen anywhere. You know, there is a detective thread element that goes through all these stories, and I and I do appreciate that. Yeah, and I wouldn't say I felt too much of a difference in the writing having the co-writer there. Yeah, no. It feels like Tamaki, right? Yeah. Like, it feels very on-brand. Um, like, again, Donovan's voice was on. That's been the same uh, voice for Bruce and Batman. Um, him having to see someone shoot themselves, you know, that was that was a new level for Batman, too. I wanted yeah, to, that's the guy. I chases, just remembered. That's the guy in the alley, right, after he chases yeah. him. The one, the one who set off the gas... Yeah. Or the, or the, or the toxin attack and, that's, and that, that's something i don't quite rem- recall seeing in batman comic books and how I mean, that's gonna affect bruce i feel like it's probably hand at some point because it's you know mm-hmm. batman's been around for so long but yeah it did yeah it, it did feel like a big moment because this guy just pulls out a gun puts it his yep. chin and pulls the trigger and 
you just see Batman like hunched over his desk afterwards, clearly yeah. you know distraught that Affected. he he couldn't stop this, and yeah, uh, you know, so it is a, a different level of like or a different type of chaos that's been sort of unleashed into mm-hmm. the city. Uh, it's yeah. very controlled, but like he doesn't know how to predict it, and it's taking innocent people and making them do bad things, and in mm-hmm. some cases making them immediately immediately do something to themselves as well. Because uh, you almost get the impression this guy. Let's say he was mind controlled. Did he just mm-hmm. like be, was he just given control back and realized what he just did, and that's why he did this? And the guilt, right? Yeah. Or is this, or was this the burn after reading kind of deal? Like you know, it was a suicide mission to begin with, possibly. So... Or it could be a case of he, on some level, knew how bad it was as he was doing it, and mm-hmm. like it wasn't like an instant guilt afterwards. It was just he knew he could live with himself like once it was right. done, you know. Uh, so. Right. But yeah, so again, back with Tamaki and the co-writers, everything feels like the detective that, you know, we've come to really love over the, it's been what, like a year and a half at this point since Tamaki's been on? Has it been that long? Yeah, maybe it has, yeah. Because we had, uh, well that, man, the the tower story messes me up because it went weekly. No, it's Um, been a year and a half because she started with Future State, which was last January, so yeah. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, just, it keeps that tone throughout that we've come to like and you know, Gotham as a character, kind of. Like, um, yeah, we're I've, seeing I've, all these different I've, elements. I've really loved the run. I think the tower's mm-hmm. this nice, like, change of pace in the middle of mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's actually more like two-thirds in, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I think that really, you know, I, I, it feels like a nice big run to me now, and I, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm happy we're getting this last story. Because uh, yeah. it, it might be the last we see a Deb Donovan, mm-hmm. or at least for a while, so... Uh, unless Tamaki gets another book set in Gotham and she can right. <laughs> rope her in another way because uh, I, I do hope she gets another DC book I hope there's another DC yeah. book on the horizon for her after yeah. this yeah hopefully because it's, it's a name I do like seeing like when I see Tamaki's name show up on a book or in a and like when they do the, the special you know 80 page things I feel like I want to read it I mean uh, in terms of DC I mean not counting those one off things yeah. uh She's bounced from that great Supergirl mini uh, to a decent run on Wonder Woman to a mm-hmm. great run on Detective. So I'm hoping that, you know, they see yeah. value in her and want to offer another big book, whatever yeah. it may be. So. And, and the non-DC work I've read from her, too, is pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, know? the Marvel stuff is great as well, yeah. So, yeah, so just anywhere Tamaki wants to go, I'll, I'll follow, right? I prefer it at DC, but, um, but yeah, no, this has been a lot of fun. And again... I saw someone online complaining that Riddler has a goatee and looks too much like Oliver Queen now. (laughs) That's the complaint? Come on. (sighs) Whatever. You guys are nitpicking. He's got a bowler hat. He's got a green bowler hat with a question mark on it. I think think it's a good logo, or a good look. If he could put the question mark logo into his beard somehow, uh, that'd be cool. I typically think of him as being a bit eccentric, and that curled mm-hmm. mustache with the goatee is a very eccentric facial hair type. Yeah, so for sure, yeah, I could live for with sure. that. Uh, yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, for the first time in like since they started, I didn't read the backup and detective. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about this. There was a lot of books to read, and I looked at. It and I don't really know if I'm feeling this, so you can you can tell us about it. Yeah, so this is uh, Gotham Girl Interrupted. It's by Sina Grace and Dave Lapham. Or David Lapham on art, and Lapham did the the first part of the the tower lead in. Um, mm, okay, right where where Bruce was chasing Harley Quinn. We didn't know if she was there, right? So the art's consistent with Batman stuff that we've seen, but this is a story of of 
Gotham girl trying to reintegrate herself into society um, after Arkham Tower, right? So like she's she's trying to come to terms with who she is, um, but she is having a hard time because she feels like she doesn't belong anywhere. And, um, you know, she wants to be herself, but she wants to go back to being, um, oh, what was her name before? I gotta find, uh, her civilian name, but you know, she feels like she, she, Claire can't be, something. There you go. She can't be Claire anymore because she's Gotham girl, but she's also more Claire than she is Gotham girl because she can't be Gotham girl without her brother. So you're in her head for a lot of this. And it, it starts off with, with her taking down this like illegal casino um, where the the uh, guy that's running it basically uses it a front for all of his illegitimate kids because um, it puts them all in one place. He can keep an eye on them. Um, but it, it she's staying at the abandoned Wayne Manor on the outskirts of Gotham City. Um, and someone is... Um, but what led her to find the, the illegal casino with all the illegitimate children is someone has started a like an app called Gotham Girl. And it's like a gossip type thing. And she doesn't like that they're using her image for this. So she's going to find out who it is. Uh, she's back enrolled at Gotham High. And she's working in the theater department trying to because she has found that when she's creative, it gives her a, a way of not falling into all the, the issues that she's had before. Um, so it gives her an outlet. Uh, it's Claire Clover. I just found it is, is her full name. Um, but yeah, so she starts tracking down um, who's doing this. And one of the guys in class kind of, you know, not really tries to pick up on her, but is being real nice to her and um, wants to work with her after school on stuff. And he goes and, puts her hand as she's sewing costumes for the school play, uh, puts her hand, uh, his hand on her and she flips out and she hits him with her heat vision and starts destroying the school. But then you realize that's just in her head. Um, and you know, she's like, well, you know, I, I don't need to go to Arkham right now. Cause that was what the kid wanted to do is go visit. Um, I'll just, I'm just going to go home. So, she goes to blow off some steam, um, and uh, I read this early in the week, so I'm trying to <laughs> catch up. Um, that she she goes. I'm trying to find out where she goes. To the zoo? No. So she's trying to track where the Gotham Girl <laughs> app's coming from. So she thinks that she has it figured out, and it's the kid from class that wanted her wanted uh, to, to hang out with her and um, it looks like he's the one that's been behind it. And he has shot himself and left himself, you know, in front of all this art at the school. Um, and yeah, so that's where, where it ends with her finding his body, which I'm sure for someone that's having to, to come out of trauma is only going to make things worse, but it spends a lot of time in her head and her trying to rectify who exactly she is. Is she Claire Clover? Is she Gotham girl? You know, how her brother, um, you know, how he factors into this, him being gone now. Um, but for a character that I didn't like, I got like, because I feel like King didn't like set her up to be big and then kind of forgot about her. You know, it's nice to have someone like really focus on 
what makes her different, you know, that that basically trying to be used as this, this superhero, what that would do to a young mind. And I feel Sign of Grace from the other work I've read by them is very similar. Everything's very, you know, um, like like the inner workings of things and someone's, you know, their psyche and how that factors into being a superhero. So I feel like it's a, it's a pretty good creative step for, for Gotham Girl. Uh, and, and a nice part of the backup, or it's nice to be it's nice that the backup is a place for that to show up. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, what, uh, we written the main story? Uh, main story, I am going to give uh, 7.5. Uh, and the backup? The backup is a 7. Okay. Uh, for me, the main story, um, yeah, I mean, simply five eight. I may actually, I will squeeze it ten eight. I, I, I like the uh, the main story. So, uh, good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, so moving on then. Action Comics one thousand forty two. Philip K. Johnson with Ricardo Federici on the art. Obviously, War World Saga rages on, and this has been a highlight. Uh, yeah. For several several months now, I for for a long time they were just keeping us with Clark on War World. So I like that in the last couple we're getting different perspectives. So the fact that this opened with Lois and John was a nice like little break in the storytelling. Yeah, although because uh, the last issue was the Midnighter issue, right? Which yeah. ended. I mean, it still f- progressed the story because it ended with mm-hmm. Superman being okay. It's time to fight back, and right. we see the result of that somewhat in this yep. issue. But yeah, we start the issue with uh, you know the Felosian girl on Earth mm-hmm. in the tank, you know, who's yep. having seizures, and Lois and John are trying to figure it out. I did like the small moment here where Lois says Clark when she because yeah. John like sort of swoops in behind her, and she just instinctively says Clark. And and it's her, her son, which makes sense, you know, that right. her son would remind her of her husband. Not, not quite, mom. Like you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so Thala, that's her name, right? The 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 Thalosian? Uh, sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she's having seizures. So she's in this tank. It was like a back to tank from Star Wars. But every so often, she gives off this energy pulse, and they can tell she's having seizures. And Lois is like, oh, God, we we want to keep her alive, but we don't know what to do. And, you know, Clark hid the Genesis cube and destroyed the orphan box. Um, so like, what do we do? Um, and that, that page where she's putting all this stuff together, I, I don't know if this was in the script or if this is Federici's style, the way that you read that page and follow it across is just expertly well done. Um, Cause it's a two page spread, right? And you, you start reading it on the left side and you go down that page and then you follow it up diagonally and then back down. And I think sometimes with the layout, something like that can get super messy, but I feel like Federici just nailed it. So, yeah. so props. Yeah, I will give it a slight critique and that I read it the wrong way first. <laughs> Damn it. Way to undermine my point. <laughs> um, naturally, I just didn't go down. I went across. Uh yeah. And then I felt like the 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 womb sound that leads you diagonally. I yeah. went down that backwards because I went across first, so I thought that was leading me down. And I thought, but that's weird because yeah. that bottom left panel is now just left in the cold. When when, when do yeah. I get to that? Yeah. I went, oh, maybe I'm reading this wrong. And then I went yeah. back and read it the right way. Damn so. it! Well, it worked for me expertly. Um, 
I think yeah. maybe just a slight indicator that you were meant to go down from that first yeah. panel would have all I, all I needed, but uh, you know, that's what it is. Um, and, uh, I'm gonna do a Connor voice now. Well, Pete, if you just used your logic and just you know read downwards like you would on a page, uh, and then you're gonna be like, well, no, you read left to right, you don't read top to bottom. And, uh, are you yeah. doing both me and Connor in this? Debate yeah, well, now? <laughs> well, now I am because that's what I figure you would have done. Uh, and to justify why you read left to right, so. Ah, uh, in conclusion, Connor's a tit. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I also like to it just sort of reiterates what the philosians are at the start. You know, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of it's just like the lowest writing in our, our journal or preparing uh-huh. an article or whatever, uh, talking about you know where this idea of this lost colony of philosia came from. Um, so I like that a little bit. I just recontextualizing that a touch. Uh, but then we go back to Warworld and Superman and Co are fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the 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 the, the, the war zones, the the war zones that are loyal to to Mongol, yeah, uh, along with the various others, and then one of, of course, has a uh, like right hand men pop up, uh, whose name I cannot remember. Teacher, so. teacher. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a really yeah, it's a weird name. But, yeah, teacher. Uh, shows up and like you know really starts to win the fight and like you know kind of like you know he's he's well, got he's got an orphan box and he's kind of using that and manipulating things and talking about well, using light rays um thingies what would we call it yeah so so they use it's not light ray it's manchester black they found out how to oh, use sorry, yeah, yeah, telepathy yeah. so for... light ray comes up later because uh yeah. omax because well, teacher attacks with omac and omax flipped on him yeah you know and, and superman does the disappointed uh dad act on them uh which i, I thought is really good because that's superman in a nutshell but yeah teachers attacking with the orphan box and saying that they've They've managed to use Manchester Black's telepathic powers to create weapons. And that's what this thing that they're writing is like. It looks like a creature, but it has the orphan box running through it. Um, And Teacher has a big, massive scar running across their face from Manchester Black. So whatever happened, Black took a piece of them, too. Um, Yeah. And a lot of this fight is Superman appealing to Omax, mm -hmm. saying, you don't have to do this, you're better than this uh you know you don't have to give yourself up and what they have promised you uh which is light ray being brought back like they can't mm-hmm. give that um right. so it, you know there's a lot of appealing which makes sense in the context of this uh and basically it's the other you know philosian that's been you know talking to clark a lot mm-hmm. the guy with the beard who says like look if we get that orphan box that changes everything because yeah. then we can move around then we can control things then then we can actually win this fight it's, yeah it's like having a, a map or a key to war world right that lets them do what they need to do um i just want to go back to during that fight with omac that clark tells them you know should we only do what's right only when we're the stronger than our enemies when we're at our best well yeah just um, to put that in context because uh, omac yeah. critiques and saying why did you bring us here you knew you were weak you knew you right. were getting weaker as time went on right and so you know and this is the disappointed dad thing is like when we're at our best uh, when we're hurt or out, you know, outmatched, we've lost a step. We should do nothing, you know, and just in an ultimate Superman moment, you know, if you're willing to betray us all from problems from Mongol, you know, just give it your best shot. Still, you know, you're willing to throw everything away just on this, but here, here we are. And I just this is you know Johnson just nailing Superman yet again, um, and it just makes me happy. 
Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the whole sentiment of being, like, even if, yeah, well, just because I'm not at full strength, I'm not supposed mm-hmm. to try and do what I do. No. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. I'm still going to try, right? Uh, I'm too, you know, even when I'm down, I'm too strong to stay down because it, it's that heart that makes Superman work. Mm-hmm. And it takes me all the way back to his future state story that we all love so much, you know, with Superman not staying down and even from Warworld inspiring that little girl that visits the museum. Yeah, and Superman wins this fight. You know, he ends up breaking the like the 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 frame, like his actual yeah. frame, and yeah, he t- says, "Look, you're you're going to see her again, Omak, but like you'll do it without having to sell your soul." Uh, and then Mongol shows up and is like, "You know what? I'm getting bored of you, Superman. I should just kill you, like everyone keeps telling me to." So the fight breaks out. Uh, but obviously at this point he's inspired, you know, a good group of Philosians and whoever to help mm-hmm. the fight. So they're all fighting with him and Superman runs up to teacher, grabs the, uh, the orphan box and Superman says, no, like your biggest failure, uh, dark side, or not dark side, sorry, Mongol <laughs> slipped there. But it's very, Mongol's very dark side and it made me, when, when they start talking about an orphan box, I know, it, it was, made it's, me it's, mother box. It's very dark side, uh, yeah. And just the whole anti-life Thing that that we've seen so much with Darkseid applies to Warworld as well. So I get why you said Darkseid because Marvel yeah, yeah. comes very off much well, like Darkseid. Well, well, yeah. I'm glad it wasn't just me. Once, once we're talking about the boxes, it's hard not to think about Darkseid. Uh, yeah. But he gra- grabs the orphan box and says, "No, your weakness is underestimating uh, everyone you yeah. see as weak." Uh-huh. Um, and you know, there's a bright light. Superman teleports them away. Well, possibly. We, we don't really know exactly what he's done yet, but there's a bright white light because uh, they tease it in the next scene because Lois is on air. She goes to see John Henry because he's got a lot of the uh, you know the the Genesis stuff from the Genesis before. Genesis energy, yeah. which I I love, of course, of course. John Henry's the one with it because uh, Natasha's on Warworld. Yeah, so uh, he he's looking into it, and Lois is there because look, we need to like you know, Cal X described he described the uh, the Thelosian as like her. It's like withdrawal symptoms, and she might need mm-hmm. a little bit of it to just sort of help her along here, to like help her right. sort of get used to it. Um, but when they're talking and they're preparing these ideas, uh, this bright light hits, and you you can hear, you know, Clark's "That's why we'll win" sort of comes mm-hmm. through the white light, and Lois recognizes his voice. Um, and John Henry just says, "You know, whatever's going on there, like something big's going down." So it, it does sort of give you this uh-huh. big cliffhanger of like like what exactly was the next part of that fight you know uh yeah. kind of thing so well and on top of that too is that he's realized that the genesis whatever it is it's almost like a sentient energy you know so what whatever mongol has done there's there's something else about this energy and why why he could use it to supercharge the philosians why it's gonna i feel heal clark right and that that's the key to him being Very- able to fight at full strength yeah, very probably. Uh, yeah, he talks about how whenever he would do some testing on some of it, mm-hmm. it all of it would react, even the parts right. of it that were disconnected. So it's right. he said it's like it's observing him as much as he's observing it. So yeah, uh, so no, it's it's interesting stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I do think it's really interesting and smart storytelling that we bring Lois and the Earth characters back into it right before you do this scene at the end where mm-hmm. they actually get a glimpse of what's going on, or, or, or even a glimpse, they hear a smidge. They get a piece, yeah, they get yeah. a piece of what Clark's doing. Yeah. Because they, they have no idea he's been radio silent, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You know. So you get this just a small brief moment. So the fact that the stories are, are starting to connect a little bit is why we're mm-hmm. jumping back there now. 
Yeah. And her her concern, of course, her worry for what's going on with them. Because we see, it's not like he's going through a happy occasion. Like, he's going through yeah. hell. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he obviously he's being uplifted, he's being Superman, he's inspiring people. But, he, you know, he's, he's a prisoner and a slave. He, he's having a rough time. It's not like he's having mm-hmm. on vacation. Uh, right. So, it's, none of it's pleasant. But he's he's fighting, and, you know, there's these little moments of hope when he does, like, make his speech to Omak, or he does say to Mongol, no, this is why we're going to win. Um you know, and it doesn't come off in the <laughs> in the Adam Sandler. This is how I win, <laughs> right? You know, it actually feels quite genuine and like uplifting. Yeah. So it's it's not ominous; it's inspiring. Yes, yeah, yes. So it's very good. Uh, and this is part seven of the War World saga, the, mm-hmm. the main part of it, which is. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many it's planned for, but you have to assume it's probably about twelve. Enough, yeah, that because. Yeah, because I'm also trying to think about like the 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 War World special that we got. Right? Was there, or was that an annual? Oh, sure, but I I just mean like this is this is labeled as part seven. I'm just assuming it's twelve parts of regular issues. Okay, yeah, that would make sense. But I'm yeah. just trying to think overall because it doesn't feel like it's been seven issues. Oh no, because I mean, uh, yeah. like, but even before this started, there was a whole like arc leading into it, and that's right. Everything, that's you know, right. like. It's not just been this arc, but I just mean the main part of it. This is part seven. No, I know, but I'm talking about like everything that's happened at War World feels like more than seven issues. So that's why I'm just like, I can't believe this is part seven. Oh, sure. I'm trying to rectify that in my own head. Like, but, was there a special? Was there an annual that I'm forgetting? So, uh, maybe there was an. I don't think there's been a special since we, yeah. since we started the main yeah. arc. I don't think so. But that makes sense. Um, if anything, that just shows you how strong it's been and how dense it is in ideas mm-hmm. even though i wouldn't say the issues feel overly dense to read they, they still no. feel like they read like a normal issue but uh the fact that you feel like it's been way more than seven yeah is potentially a very good sign yeah for sure so yeah that's good and all the art is uh is so wonderful good. yeah the, yeah. the fights look great uh, we get a, you know something different by the Earth stuff because Federici hadn't really done any Earth stuff in this book mm-hmm. yet because he came on the book once they were already at War World. Yeah. So this this was kind of different to see him do Lois and uh, John Henry and Co mm-hmm. on Earth. Uh, it's good to see his John too because the way that he draws John, it's kind of like Clark but not mm. quite. So um, that 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 worked out real well. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, and the coloring thing still really keeps it. I I particularly liked when Lois is meeting John Henry. There is sort of that white blue glow, like the coloring is very mm-hmm. washed out, and it's you know it's like there's this energy coming off of this Genesis material that's just lighting everything in the scene, mm-hmm. uh, and it just feels completely different. It's very you know it's it's very white versus these more sandy colors of War World, which is all yeah you know yellows and reds and that kind of yeah. stuff. So. Well, and even even right before that, because they they make like it's almost sepia toned, too. Like mm. when they go to that hangar, that's you know miles outside of Metropolis, it almost feels like Wizard of Oz before she goes to Oz, and then when that blue light hits, it just saturates everything. There, there's none of that you know, dourness with the with the blue light. So that was handled really well. Yeah, so obviously it's a great looking book, and it still feels like part of a uplifting Superman saga. And uh, looking mm-hmm. forward to the next issue. So, what are you giving Action Comics one thousand forty two? I'm giving this one a nine. Yeah, I. Uh, 
Yeah, I would go 8.5, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a very good issue. So, um, there you go. That's actually comics. Deathstroke Inc. Issue 8, Joshua Ellison writing with Paolo uh, Pantale- Pantalina on the art. This is mm-hmm. uh, part three of Shadow War. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we'll get to part four, part four right after this, but uh, we'll start with part three here, obviously. And it, Well, you know, it's just numbers, simple things. Uh, so, and they do very, very much feel like part three and part four. I, I, I do appreciate, though, that this one does start because we left off with... Um, you know, this assassin, what's her name? Angel Breaker, yeah. coming after Deathstroke's team uh, from Deathstroke Inc. Is that it starts off feeling like it is more related to Deathstroke Inc. as a book. Mm-hmm. Although, by the time it starts to get into other scenes, it starts to just feel like part of the, the crossover. But right. it does at least feel like it starts off there, um, mm-hmm. which is nice. So, uh, basically, Deathstroke's with uh, Respawn, and they're in disguise, and they're in a, a tour of the tunnels of San Francisco. Which, um, which immediately, when I saw the Golden Gate Bridge, I was like, oh. Of course, he had a base in San Francisco. That's where Titan Tower was. Exactly. He even says that. That's, that's yeah. the reason. <laughs> yeah. But just as soon as seeing the bridge, like, my Titan's history kicks in. And, yeah. Was, so, I got a chuckle on that Yeah. So, he's got a secret base uh, in these tunnels. They go in. He's like, okay, we're just going to lay low here whilst everything's going on. And he takes off his, 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 his mask and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. Uh Respawn starts playing with the toys and notices that there's uh, like the new Teen Titans from the 80s, like he's got dummies of them to for target practice. <laughs> and he's like, and he throws a, a spike or throws a, a, like a shuriken and it hits Robin. He goes, cool. And Desert's like, oh, you want to know what's even cooler? And he throws five at once, hits them all, and then they explode. And it was just a, a oh, cheesy, fun oh, moment. They left out a key detail. Hits them all, they're all in the in head. The head. Yeah, yeah, all five of them in each other's heads. Yeah. <laughs> He goes, you think that's cool? Watch this. And then it explodes. It was like, geez, that was dark, but also hilarious, cheesy at the same time. Yeah, and the explosion's after a page turns, because he throws the stars, yeah. you see them all hit the head, and respawns, oh, that's cool, I guess. And then the next page is all their heads exploding in sync. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, whoa, okay, yeah. <laughs> all right. Yep. And then the kid maybe got some issues, because he takes a, he picks up a knife and says, you know, I want to be like you, maybe I should lose an eye. <laughs> Which made me think of... Ravager's origin originally, when she used to just be a babysitter for I forget whose kids. Maybe it was Wally's, but she ends up snapping at some point and taking out her eye. and And Slade looks at her, and "Why?" She goes, "Cause I want to be like you, Dad." And so I feel like this is uh, Williamson sending that up, and Slade going like, "No, don't no, put, put that down." <laughs> I got it. Cracked me up anyway. Yeah. Uh, so. And then we come back to Batman and Talia, and they were smooching, and then Batman's like, hey, I'm still kind of in a thing with Selina, and... He even says Selina. Like... Yeah. yeah. And Talia's like, a moment of weakness. It will not happen again. And she, she just kind of like, you know, you know, storms off. Slinks away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so... This is the first time, so... so uh, What's her face? Uh... The assassin lady, whose name I keep forgetting. Angel Breaker. Angel Breaker. Poor, poor, poor design, man. This design feels like something from the 90s. It does. Like, but the, I, this, I this, hate it. The slit down the middle, so her tits yeah. are just kind of like... It's, it's basically... Imagine... I mean, I, I suppose I'm just describing cleavage here. But because yeah. it's a slit all the way down, I would say it's more like side boob, but the side mm-hmm. boob's in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> but all, all the way down, it's like she's wearing curtains. Yes. Yeah, yeah there you it's go. Just, for, for an assassin, like... If you want to make them look, you know, seductive and stuff, you can do, I just, 
this design just reeks of like bad 90s it does um, uh, also yeah. i'm just imagining how much double-sided tape she's got inside that that's sharp to it. keep well, it stuck to she does fly too so she needs extra strength but even as you're fighting, things are popping out left and right. No, I know that, but imagine her going, you know, flight speed, you know, stuff's flapping. Like, <laughs> you, you, gotta, you gotta secure that, you know? But yeah, so every time she showed up and like, I want to know what her deal is, because I name like Angel Breaker, you know, uh, it, it's Williamson being good at creating these new characters. Um, I just, the design's bad. Honestly, one of my favorite moments of the issue so she's got raptor right she's brought raptor back with her mm-hmm. and raptor's like oh hey batman long time and yeah. he says your kid did really good in that death tournament and the close-up panel of batman with the, the the three individual sentences what death tournament he has no idea and he's just like what is this someone explain this to me now <laughs> um so <laughs> really funny yeah. stuff uh I, I got you know it's in you know talia wants to kill him and Batman's like, no, no one needs to die. I'll interrogate him. I'll get, I'll find a way he knows. Uh, uh, Angel Breaker knows Ghostmaker because she's, because she's like, you know, Ghostmaker told me about you. He's yeah. Like, so, and it seems also like Raptor was in this Demon Shadow. So it seems like the Demon Shadow has been this organization that's been underneath, and they've really gotten kind of the best of the best people. So yeah. I, I do like that point. It, it is getting a little bit laughable though. How many League of and you know, grips yeah, yeah, underneath yeah. the ghouls there is at this point, but yeah, sure. Yeah. But, uh, but I do like that because, um, of course, in wanting to be the best, you know, Ghostmaker would do something that Bruce wouldn't, and that's, you know, go pal around with these yahoos. Oh, for sure. Uh, so they set a bunch of ninjas on Batman, and he, you know, takes them out because he's Batman. Yep. Uh, but he runs off, um, and we just come back to Deathstroke and Respawn, and they're just sitting yep. playing cards. Uh, but then the door just after Raptor sends them a call warning them, the lights yeah. go out and the door opens and in walks Robin and Ravager. Uh, who, of course, you know, last issue, like she said, yeah, let's go find you know my mm-hmm. dad. So this is the payoff to that. This is the cliffhanger of the issue. So, um, this is the thing. I read these back to back, so like I'm, I forgot this. Is, I forgot this is where this one ended. To be honest, I, I was ready to just yeah. go to the next thing. So. Uh, I will say the art here uh, does feel like it's really channeling uh, Carmine D.G. Domenico. I was getting a lot of vibes of that yeah. in here. A little bit. I, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, I was getting that. It did seem to fit the the vibe of the ongoing Robin book, I would say, which is funny because this is not the Robin book, but... Right. That's the, the biggest props was it feels like it was a... Um, uh, who's, who's the artist? I'm drawing a blank on his name now. That that started the Robin book. It feels like adjacent to that. Melnikov. More, yeah. There you go, Gleb. It feels it feels adjacent to Gleb than uh, than anything else, I think. Um, and because the art's been kind of all over the place in Deathstroke, it just it's nice that it feels, you know, in in line with Robin, which you know was following it up. So uh, I will say respawn here, and I get that respawn was a sheltered, you know sheltered clone boy but williamson's only you know he's the only person to write him is williamson and i felt the voice was off a couple times where it seemed like he was a little bit too sheltered and naive compared to some of the other stuff we've seen like in the tournament Mm. and whatnot um maybe there's a reason for that that we'll we'll get 
But, you know, um, him saying stuff, though, like, uh, there wasn't a lot of card games while I was being tortured, you know, so him not, not knowing how to play war and whatnot, uh, I felt like that was a good, you know, uh, little character moment for him. But yeah, sometimes his voice just felt off a little bit, which is weird considering it's Williamson, but, you know, no, that's just a minor. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Alright, I guess we'll rate this before we move on to the next one. Uh, what, are you, what are you giving it? Um, yeah, that's one of seven. Yeah, I'd say seven too. Perfectly enjoyable. I like the mm-hmm. developments and the little character moments. Uh, Batman's especially with the death tournament reaction was quite funny. Uh, and the art is nothing spectacular, but perfectly nice enough and serviceable. Yeah, but mm-hmm. the facial the facial reactions and the expressions were were pretty solid. Pretty good. So, yep, yep, yep. Uh, you know, points for that. Uh, which does neatly lead us into Robin, issue 13, which is Joshua Williamson writing with mm-hmm. Roger Cruz on the art. And I will say I did get whiplash from the art change going to this yep. issue. Uh, I definitely liked the art in this less because it felt like it was... It was a very different style for a start. I mean... It, it felt like Ivan Ivan Reese style. It's very clean. Um, and very, like, to me... I guess someone would say, like, house style. It still fits. There's still a lot of energy to it. Um, yeah, the fight I, I, scenes and stuff. Like it's not bad art, but it's not remarkable either. I think at its best, it feels kind of house stylish. Yeah. Uh, but there are moments that I think, like the, the first page, I think is actually one of the worst because I think Batman's head looks just really weirdly mm-hmm. shaped and angled. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but it's not terrible by any means. I, you know, it's just yeah. It's it's very like mediocre. Sounds bad, right? But it's very just. It's fine. You know, there's nothing good about it. There's nothing terrible about it. You know, it just, it fits. Yeah. Uh, it's the most boring thing to say, but it, uh, that's what it is. Uh, so, yeah, obviously there's a bit of a fight breaks out with uh, Robin, Deathstroke, Ravager, mm-hmm. and Respawn. And Damien's demanding to know, uh, you know, why Deathstroke. De- Deathstroke's trying to tell him that he didn't kill Raz. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sets off an explosion, so they come out through the the ground up out of the street on top of a building, and they're still fighting. Robin's coming after <laughs> Deathstroke. It's all kicking off, um, yeah. and yeah, basically the whole thing stops because Respawn tries to say, "Look, I was with Deathstroke. It wasn't really him." And Damien's mm-hmm. like, "Why should I trust you?" And then he whips off his mask, and he's like because I'm you, sort of. And this is where, if you haven't been reading Destro Kink, yep. uh, and maybe some of it's still new as well, I'm not sure how in-depth mm-hmm. it went before, but this idea that he is actually a clone, very, very Connor Kent-esque, actually, where he's, yeah. uh, he's a clone that is designed from Talia and Deathstroke. Right. So he's technically Damien's half-brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, of course, is referenced here. Uh, with, with Slade. Uh, well, not with Slade, but from Slade. Yes. Too. So, like, it's also Rose's half-brother. So it's like, <laughs> somehow Robin and, and, and Ravager are now related. That's you know? that's pretty funny. But notably yeah. not Jason, because she's no. she's been having a thing with Jason, and that would be weird. Right, because of <laughs> But he says here, and this, again, this bothered me, and it's my own personal philosophy, because... I believe families who you choose, not who you're born into, mm-hmm. right? So when they all do this and they go over his origin again, for in case people weren't reading, um, which I wasn't, so I was pleased to get this. Right? Mm-hmm. He says, "You know, I have a brother. I have a." And he, there's a smile. I was like, 
yeah, you have three other brothers too. <laughs> and a couple sisters at this point, you know? Um, so that was just a little weird to me. Like feeling like Damien feels like only blood counts is weird because I, I don't think he does, but I think he's just excited by the idea. Yeah, I do. And again, it's probably my own personal philosophy, right? With when it comes to family, is that the family you choose can be, you know, better than the one that you were born into. Um, and I just feel, definitely feel like, like, of course he doesn't take Tim as a brother because him and Tim don't get along, but yeah. like Dick is definitely his older brother. You know, so I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't but, really matter. Respawn attacks him immediately, uh, and is and is <laughs> very jealous because Not for long, <laughs> because Damien is a little shit, and yet is still loved by so many people, regardless. Mm-hmm. Whereas he was like held and tortured for yeah. most of his life. So they're they're that you know shadow version and light version of one another. Yes, you know, um, kind of kind of what the movie Us was kind of hinting at. Just not as concisely as this. Yes. You know? uh, but Batman breaks up. He jumps down from the Batwing. He's, he's arrived just in time. And uh, is like, wait, what? <laughs> My son has a half-brother? <laughs> the, the the reaction on him, too, again. And this fits. So this is what I, I give the art a pass a little bit. Because it fits in with the tone of the Robin book lately. Mm. So, like, when, when Respawn yells not for long, there's a rematch, like, in a video game. Yeah. Kind of thing going. And then when, when Bruce jumps down and he says, what? And he's in between them, you know, you have the exclamation kind of logos around him. Like they're coming off of him. Like he's shocked and it all fits in very well with, with Robin just in tone, if not look. So I like that. But yeah, and then the fight, you know, you have, you have all of them standing on the rooftop together. Yeah. But then uh dash gets a call. Mm-hmm. And Angel Breaker has got Moon, one of Deathstroke's, uh, you know, cohorts. Yeah, Doctor Moon. Uh, and is like, well, if you don't come in, I'm going to kill him. And Deathstroke basically lets it happen, which Batman's not too thrilled about. And Deathstroke's logic is, look, she's going to do it anyway. Like it doesn't really yeah. matter what I do. Um, so we do get this moment though, where you know Batman's pleading for it not to happen. Uh, and you, you get this. I mean, I will say this. I did like the uh, the page of this guy's death because the the red background with the splat. You know, yeah. it was it was well executed. Um, I think it does help that it's all in silhouette because I I don't necessarily like the the line work as much on this artist. But you know, that's yeah. that's that's fine. Um, but um, yeah. So ultimately, Damien believes Deathstroke didn't kill Raz at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he he's you know, maybe Talia is somewhere behind it, maybe not, but he doesn't believe that it's Deathstroke anymore. And you know, there's a bit of an explosion moment when they're fleeing. Uh, Batman has to shield Damien, some civilians, and it's all a nice moment. Uh, but at the end, Batman's like, "Hey, can we please work th- through this together and go and deal with this and solve this case? Is there anything that will, you know?" prove to you that I want to work with you and like make up make amends for everything and Damien's like let me drive so it's cut to you know him driving the Batwing <laughs> uh, so you know that's that and then the end of the issue the cliffhanger is that uh, to protect the rest of Deathstroke's goons various members of Batman Inc have went over to protect them and the examples we get are Ghostmaker and Clown Hunter which I mean I don't really like Ghostmaker that much but this doesn't, clown hunter. 
Clara's okay, but this doesn't uh, bother me because I don't think this is going to be something we focus on too much. I think this is just like, oh, this is like, they're protecting them off panel now in the background, and that's well, fine. And also the, the fact that they brought up Ghostmaker prompted us, and so in the last yeah. issue, prompted us that he might be showing up because he has a history with with the League. And it's so... Williamson who created... No, it's not actually, no. that was Tynan. But yeah. he, he was using Ghostmaker, though, when he was doing his Batman issues as well. Yeah. Yep, with that so. many stuff. So it all fits in, um, but I did groan a little when, like, because again, it primed us, but I didn't think Ghostmaker is actually, I thought that was more of like a, like a, an Easter egg kind of deal. Um, I did kind of groan a bit, mm. but, you know, hopefully they don't focus on these two that much. But we'll see. I mean, that said, they've proved, I don't know what story it was, but that Ghostmaker isn't, doesn't have to be annoying. At least to me, so maybe <laughs> maybe Williamson will, will will help that. But yeah, um, I'm still enjoying the story for for the most part. I know so, I enjoyed the story a lot. I felt yeah. I enjoyed the story in this a bit more on the previous uh, part. But mm-hmm. the art was a step down, I think, in this Robin issue versus the Destro King issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd probably say that I still give it a seven, and just that I probably still even it out at a seven. Uh, but I'd say slightly better story, worse art. Yeah, like if we did 0.25s, I would definitely give this one a 0.25 over the last one. Sure, but but they are about even, which which I think being being Williamson and them being that even really helps the event, not the event, the story um, crossover because it doesn't make it feel like one issue is more important than the other. Um, that they are just part of the same story, so that's nice. Do you know what? He's a consistent seven out of ten writer. That's. I mean, I mean, that's not really that true because he tanked heavily in the Flash. But uh, you know, typically when he's on point, he's 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 hitting consistent yeah. sevens out of ten. Unless yeah. when he has a special issue, maybe maybe we'll have an example of that later in the show. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But there you go. Uh, so I guess we rated it already. That's uh, yeah, Robin seven, issue thirteen. We both said seven. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if we have. Oh, I think Batman's next week, so I think we do have a, a part of this next week. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll be out for Shadow War. Uh, this is the first month of it done. First four out of, what, nine parts, I think? I believe so, and we get yeah. an, uh, an Omega issue, yeah. right? So technically this is part five, if you include yeah. the Alpha. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Swamp Thing, issue 12. Ram V writing with Mike Perkins on the art. And, oh boy, some juicy stuff in this, I think, I would say. I, I was going to come out and say I love this issue. Uh huh. <laughs> this is this is the type of swamp thing which then led me to tell my wife why I love this issue so much, and her going, "This all happened in a comic book." And I was like, "Well, not all of it. I gave you a history, a brief history of Swamp Thing, but the thing I'm excited about happening." <laughs> I like the idea you, you gave her thirty years of Swamp Thing history, and then just put on a little footnote at the end about what this issue was, and she's well, like, "That all happened in twenty-two pages." <laughs> Maybe it was closer to 10 years of Swamp Thing history between <laughs> Snyder and Soul and V. Um, well, yeah. here's the thing. So, last issue we had, uh, what's his name? I always forget the villain's name. Um, Pilgrim. Pilgrim. Well, right. he's not, but he works for Pilgrim, right? Sure, Who's yeah. Who's the company? I always forget the company's name. You forget the guy's name, I forget the company's name. No, Pilgrim is the guy, I'm sure. <sighs> Let's do this again. I did remember. <laughs> I did remember it was the Pale Wanderer. Yeah, um, Pale Wanderer. Yeah, that's fine. But 
Um, yeah. uh, it's Prescott Industries, and it's Mr. Pilgrim, yeah. right? There you go. The guy is Pilgrim, right? I was right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Mr. Pilgrim, uh, he, of course, like had an operation last issue uh, with the Pale Wanderer, bonded mm-hmm. with him. Um, this issue definitely made it clear it was the Pale Wanderer because it went into the history of that character. But more importantly is that when this new version, this new merged version, which does seem to be closer to Pale Wanderer than it does uh, appear to be Pilgrim, but yeah. uh, they're calling it, so they're calling him uh, the Pale Pilgrim, uh, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And what, basically what the goal is of this, and I remember, because we really loved those first couple of issues of the book, yeah. when that Pale Wanderer was introduced, and we talked about how he wasn't really part of the red or the green or the raw. He was kind of this new thing that had been created that man had kind of created over years yeah. of this greed and all this stuff. I love that this is coming back into it now. And effectively what this character is becoming is he is creating this new... So we've got the red, we've got the green, we've got the raw, some other ones, which we'll, you know, we don't talk about as much. He is effectively going to like, or not even create, it's already, it's kind of happening naturally because the world has had this mm-hmm. for so long now but that he is going to advance and kind of like nurture industry as yeah. the next pillar, the next uh, parliament, uh, the parliament of gears, I think he called it yeah, at one point. And that's when I went, oh man, okay. So, and what Ram V is saying here too, just with the ideas, because we all know that he loves to play with the, you know, the ideas becoming manifest in reality mm-hmm. and that, that the pale wanderer started off in the desert because it was the spirit of enterprise, right. In these yep. prospectors. And that, 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 that greed would never be satiated. So it created the pale wanderer because it's always going to want more and you're never going to be able. And that feeling comes from industrialization. And the idea of that merging with someone from a evil corporation, right. that, you, know, you know, like that all just links up wonderfully. Right. And how that fits in with the ethos of Swamp Thing and wanting to defend the earth and keep it pure and how this guy doesn't I do, I, care I do. about any of that. It just, oh man, it's so good. Yeah, I do love this idea that, yeah, if you go back to the dawn of time, you know, back to the, the Stone Age, mm-hmm. whatever, it is just the red, the green, the raw. It's simple. It's just those mm-hmm. three things. But over time, the ideas that we have brought and that have become so mm-hmm. strong and that have dominated, because he even says at one point in his big speech at the start, yeah. is that industry has shaped the world and everything that we have in this planet uh-huh. and to the point where it's you know kind of hurting the planet a lot, right, in the real world. Right. Uh, literally is industry right and obviously a lot of good things have come from industry but there's a lot of pollution there's a lot of other things there's greed there's a lot of right. uh, and there's, there's, you know the corporate system like, and this is where i got talking to my wife about this is just like in snyder's uh swamp thing right we we got the vibe that the red the green and the rot are all meant to be equal right but occasionally one gets a little bit too like i'm just gonna run this and that's how we get like anton arcane corrupting the rot and that you need abby to balance that back out or sometimes the green decides we're gonna and then you get a rogue swamp thing and i feel like here the pale pilgrim is this you know one of these parliaments getting out of control and being corrupted because again good things can come from industrialization if if there's balance and there's give and there's take just like with the rock which right? I- 
it's interesting because does that mean that the ultimate end of this story is that you can't get rid of the industry like you know part of this right. you have to keep it but it has to then be in balance with the other three and the whatever else because the end of the right. issue i think is also hinting at another new thing right. so we'll get to that right. but and and so and that's when um when when holland uh tefe shows up and and she's talking about how she had to learn that the green had to or the green had learned through her and the reason she exists is that they learned you have to work with humanity because humanity is more powerful than they realize oh yeah because there's been times when the green has went a bit you know old mm-hmm. testament says we need to wipe out the yeah. humans they ruin everything well, and that's when it makes me think back to to the stuff in the green with with ivy versus where we had the queen ivy kind of more militant one and then the um the other ivy i forget what they called her who is the more innocent one uh and just like how poison ivy wants to constantly it was poison ivy and just ivy i think but anyway how that's that idea of the green wanting to wipe everything out old testament style you know um and that there's a balance there she has to have both and so with with tefe here being like yes i mean no one's exactly good and bad it's how they're being used because you even look at levi and jacob is that jacob was like the personification of the rage of the green whereas you know levi was more being controlled by the green you know versus using and there's just layers upon layers to this story and and yeah. this issue just brought them all up and, and I, I love it for that and i loved last issue how swamp thing is you know basically just like derelict in the green yeah but he's, he's keep putting all of his energy into keeping this one rose alive, his little one mm-hmm. piece of hope. And then when Teffy and and uh, Jennifer find him, and she's like, you're you're sort of lingering on this rose, but I've turned it into this desert rose, which it can survive a on Jericho its own. Rose. A Jericho rose, sorry, yeah. Yep. Uh, which can survive on its own for a long time. Uh, and Because you have to hope and trust that it will come back mm-hmm. on its own. The idea that here that your brother will come back around on his mm-hmm. own, you, you can't necessarily force it. Uh, you know, so there's some really nice ideas, but she gives him this great speech about how the world needs Swamp Thing and needs the green, and he needs to be out there helping and protecting. Mm-hmm. And here we get this sort of rebirth moment. You know, he gets struck by green lightning, effectively in the green, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's all very big. And, and this is the thing: it's the stuff with the villain that I think's the the perfect stuff in this issue. This stuff is great. Yeah. This is the lesser part of the issue, and it's the, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's really good. Like this is this is all good and stuff, but it was what the what he was using to say with the pale wanderer, and yeah. even what that means with Levi, because right. Levi is also a man of two worlds is that Levi was working for Prescott and he was meant to use, use that connection to his dad to allow them to destroy, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. all yeah. of that stuff. So again, this is not Prescott's first, you know, attempt at this. And now it's like, they've risen to like Luther levels of corruption yeah, and by then, creating this creature. And then you we know? follow up uh, Jack Hawks, Moore, the Josh guy, Hawksmore, yeah, the, the guy, that was, city. the guy that was introduced to last issue mm-hmm. that I'd never heard of before. <laughs> yeah, but he's got you know he's got the metal feet. He's connected to to metal. He's connected to uh, yeah. He's he talks to cities because I yeah. remember me and Connor having this talk. Yeah, so and he's talking to Detroit, which world famous for being a a city that is you know actively dying. Like people are constantly fleeing Detroit. Yeah, but it's, um, it's also referred to as like you know, a, you know, the motor city. It's this, it's this scene as right. an industrial city, right? So, right. They, conjuring the image of factories, of gears, of things like that. Like you, 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 and, you know. 
So yeah, and the reason why Detroit is dying is because that industry left, right? And so it's left like this husk there. Well, yeah. Um, well, the the context in the scene itself mm-hmm. is that he effectively starts to see like the remnants of like the homeless or whoever who right. have been consumed into almost the Tetsuo-like Iron Man. So in the same way that sometimes with the green and swamp thing, we'll find mm-hmm. people like sort of covered in veins and they're in like grass yeah. and the you know natural looking things like that. Here it's a lot more of like a cyber techno horror kind of thing yep. where they've got like bits of metal sticking to like half a face and there's gears and springs and it's all this like you know techno cyber horror which i, I love yeah. visuals like this mm-hmm. um so but to me like part of this is the idea that um the pale wanderer or sorry sorry the, the pale pink pilgrim now i should say mm-hmm. uh, the fact that he is now like sort of like growing industry it kind of felt like to me the reason why this city's starting to kind of spark life and like sort of like start to show its horrors and speak to this uh you know jack guy is because of what pale pilgrim's awakening and right. stuff so i felt this was connected to that in some sort of no yeah i know i did way. too and that's why i said like that's a city where industry was where it once thrived yeah right and now when it left it left this husk that's now being reanimated in in a grotesque way and it's out of balance uh and it, uh, just hawksmore's like perkins art on this was the top notch Hawksmore's reaction to the like half human, half metal, just like massive stuff is so good. Oh yeah, because um, there, there's a, a sense of horror. Oh, it's horrific. Yeah, I mean, I, I always think there's a bit, a good bit of horror in any good Swamp Thing story, just mm-hmm. because of the the type of visuals you're dealing with, regardless yeah. if it's the green, the red, the rot, the right. you know the industry, whatever. Right. Uh, so yeah, so obviously Levi comes out of the green. Uh, we get like a montage where he does tell Jeffrey he loves her and they have sex and they have this romantic night and uh, you know he senses that something's going on um, and Hawksmore's you know similar kind of thing he ends up Swamp Thing comes to him or he goes to Swamp Thing whilst he's been attacked um, and yeah so it's, it's kind of like finally these two are going to you know they're, they're fairly coming together and we don't really get much of the conversation they just kind of come together towards mm-hmm. the end of the issue but then there's kind of a little epilogue scene which is especially notable to me because uh, it's just like oh we're in new mexico it's 1945 and i'm like oh what's notable about new mexico in 1945 <laughs> uh and you see a mushroom cloud and you see these sparks of light it's it almost like christmas lights in the dark right mm-hmm. just these, these floating sparks of light um and it talks about how like this sort of like a you know it's this narration that's third third person, but like a lot of narration in Swamp Thing, it's intentionally bodiless. It's, it's not from someone. It's it's almost like a right. you know something. Yeah. So it's just someone's telling us this. But it starts talking about this is when she was born. The idea that the first nuclear explosion created something new because it's something so, and it's so funny because I could compare this to something, and I'm not going to. Okay. But. I'm happy for reasons. And people people who watch the show and know about something else might know why I'm happy about this, but I'll just, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it. I'm not, I'm not going to tell Matt. I can't tell Matt. So it must be Twin Peaks related then. I can't tell Matt, and that's yeah. all I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you see these like sparks of light kind of forming into like a body, and the final page, she calls herself Trinity, and she's like, you know, it's kind of this green, almost like, 
like she's made of radioactive sparkle. <laughs> if you she's like. made of radioactive glass because I researched this. Oh, go on then. <laughs> so this is, so White Sands is in Alamogordo. It was a missile range. So they tested the first atomic bomb. Okay. Code name Trinity. So when it went off because of the heat and the pressure and the amount size of the bomb, it created colored glass in the desert from the white sands that became ah. known as a substance called trinitite that was slightly radioactive, but not in enough to make people sick. So people started collecting it. So 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 uh, under 3.6 rotogens then? I, I would guess if, if I've seen Chernobyl, <laughs> that would make sense to me. Um, so, but... The U.S. government didn't want people there trying to collect atomic souvenirs because that area is still highly radioactive and you can't spend too much time there. Um, to, that they bulldozed all of it. And it's still there, but it's just under, you know, several, you know, I would say at this point, 100 feet of dirt, and it's just not worth getting. So doing all this research and, and seeing what Trinitite looks like, which is what this Trinity entity looks like, which is a form of atomic glass, Atomic and, glass, what a phrase. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, and, and I get a little bit nerded out by this because the history of my city of Las Vegas, right? There's a lot of atomic iconography because of the test site. And shoot, a couple of weeks ago, I was out by the test site going to Area 51, you know, to the to the outskirts and whatnot. So, like, this popping up... Go to visit your parents, books, yeah. Yeah, I had to visit them. Um, but this this showing up in, in one of my favorite books... At this time, sometimes it's just one of these weird coincidental, just like I'm reading this at a time for a reason, you know, uh, and then just that she calls herself Trinity. I was like, OK, well, what's the significance there? Oh, the first atomic bomb. Well, this this is all neat, right? This is all neat. Like, OK, yeah. this, is why, this is why they named it this. This is why. Right. You know, but I think what's more interesting to me is that if, wow. if, if we've introduced industry as one of these forces, then. Yeah. Which one is she representing specifically? Is is she the nuclear age? Right? Is that what she is? Is she a is a Cold War? I, I don't know if it's the thing. Well, I would say Cold like, War. I, I mean, it could be nuclear, and maybe that's what they'll call it. But like, right? I wonder if it's more that like she represents the desire to keep causing more devastation or ca- ca- creating more death or something like that. Because right. The idea that this was like, oh, th- this leveled up what weapons were. This was like right, a whole new right. tier. And that's what she's going to represent as the arms race, effectively, or something like that, right. you know? Right. Uh, and because and, Oppenheimer famously, you know, I become death, the destroyer of worlds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we've seen, you know, some, some vaguely godlike creatures in Swamp Thing. So I wonder hmm. if this is like a new I, I destroyer. Mean, yeah, because I wouldn't say she represents death because the rot's death, no. effectively. Uh, right, right. But I'm talking like, like you said, like a, like a, a new form of it, like a, a destructive aspect of things, you know? Because uh, again, why, why set it at White Sands, in in the Atomic Age and all of this stuff? There's significance there. So, oh man, it's just super exciting. I I, I love Ram V writing this book. Yeah, the lore that he's coming up with and the mythology he's kind of creating, which may, yeah. you know, which I want to now be a part of Swamp Thing going forward mm-hmm. and kind of like stay a part of the tapestry well, is, is and, ex- and, exceptional. And it was this page that led me to start nerding off on my wife about it because I love when they bring this type of stuff 
into Swamp Thing because you could easily just do an, an Earth Fable with Swamp Thing and it'll still work. Or if you want to do straight horror, you can do that too. Um, but like when you mix them all together and you make it about ideas, and to me, that's where it, it thrives the best. And like under, you know, under Snyder, we got some of that with the red and green and the, and the rot and the parliament and all that stuff. But then under soul, soul started creating his own versions, kind of like this one with, with the, the parliament of gears. Like he, he created one that was for the fungus and that they could only live with the rot and the red. So they were dependent on those ones. And then, you know, there was a computer version that, that existed only in the internet and created its avatars, you know, that way, uh, to the finally where it was just ideas manifesting in reality, much like Ram V's doing. And I almost feel like that was the bridge that each, because I haven't read early Swamp Thing, like I start with Snyder, but each Swamp Thing builds from the other. So like, let's say Ram V finishes this and he doesn't get to write Swamp Thing again. It would be nice if the writer picked up on this and it creates that nice bridge that, you know, each writer is leaving their impact on Swamp Thing. Um, and it's just so cool. And he's also teaching me history, right? Like the fact that he named this thing Trinity, I'm like going, why is it called Trinity? And me going and looking it up, um, it's just, it's real cool. But yeah, I, I just love this issue. This was a good issue. That was a fantastic issue. It, it was tantalizing with all of his ideas. There was some good character mm-hmm. stuff in there, some good classic Swamp Thing stuff, but some really great new just like you know like thought-provoking uh, stuff that just and that yeah and that last page is so ethereal too like you know just her forming out of the out of those like you said like christmas lights type of like thing because you could have you could have uh ended it to page early like you know when swamp yeah. thing and uh, hawksmoor like see each other face to face like that could be a cliffhanger yeah. okay we'll pick up here next time right. and it would have still been like a great issue that i would have rated very mm-hmm. highly but then you add on these two pages and it's like oh and there's something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, what is this? Because that's how we felt about the Pell Wanderer, right? We're like, what? Yeah. What is this thing? And we had ideas and it was cool that he answered them here, but it exactly was. And it's like, well, great. Is is the Pell Program now going to try to corrupt Trinity? Is, you know, can I mean, you corrupt Trinity? I mean, I mean is, the, the arms race and the development right? of new weapons isn't necessarily completely disconnected from industry. So it's not, it, wouldn't it's, su- it wouldn't surprise me if this is not going to be an adverse relationship. This could be one where they, they need each other and they, right? they, you know, it needs that side of it to work. I, you know, like much like the green and the red and the rot need each other. It's almost as if Trinity needs the pale pilgrim. And maybe... it's, it's almost like the man-made ones may actually rely on each other as well. Right, uh, right. And way... whatever's going on in, in Detroit, if that's a new one or if that's just Pell Program's work, like, yeah, they're, they're all going to feed on each other. They're not feed on each other, but you know what I mean? Like, feed off of each other and work in harmony. But because, you know, before Eisenhower left power, he, you know, he tried to warn people of the military industrial complex. And, you know, he came from that. He was a general. He saw it firsthand the horrors of this stuff. And it seems to be people that don't see that are the ones that want to wield it. And I wonder if that's going to come into play as well. Yeah. Right? Like like the people that 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 helped create the atomic bomb weren't the ones that said to go use it. Uh, yeah, and so, I think that part of that's hard to do, because you got Pilgrim yeah. himself. He didn't understand mm-hmm. what he was meddling in, and now he's this, no. you know, avatar right? for 
for industry. It's, you know, right. like, it, who knows what this will rot. Uh, this is, I mean, yeah. I, I, it's, it's weird to say this, but I do think this final arc that now in this, like, these mm-hmm. last six issues may actually end up being the best part of the Swamp Thing. Oh, run. yeah. And, and it's so good that people did go out and buy the first 10 that we still got this, because let's say they didn't. Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't have this right now. Roran V would have moved on to something else and put his energy somewhere else and instead of I feel where it belongs that, is right here. Yeah, this feels like what this is what the book was really always building up to. So mm-hmm. it's like I think secretly they were hoping they were gonna get a finish yeah. it. But Yeah. Yeah. yeah um so. almost like a drug dealer. They gave us the first hit <laughs> and now they're like, here's the good stuff. Um because this also fits in with his future state stuff. Um with with you know, I, I can almost see you know, there's different forms of Swamp Thing that we saw in that future story in what led to that. Because I don't want to spoil it for people if they haven't read it, which you should go pick up those two issues. They're fantastic. Um, what led to that future? And I don't think they're as good it. as the main book, for the record. I, I, I thought No, that... they're, st- they're still very enjoyable, I think. Yeah. Especially knowing where the book's going and where since, since we read those two issues. Um, I think there's a lot of where... Kind of like we said with with the Philip Kenny Johnson Superman stuff with Warworld, there's a lot of seeds there for where this was gonna go, um, and yeah. Also, um, Pharaonic Man, I'm John Woodrow. Yeah, his face when he creates the Pale Pilgrim when he sees what what he's become, just the madness on his face. Oh, he's, like, he's oh. chuffed with himself. He's he... yeah. <laughs> Perkins just nailing it. Like, he is just completely chuffed, and yeah. yeah, even just the look of the the pale pilgrim as he's talking, like mm-hmm. he's got this very, you know, he's he's got an evil businessman kind of monster mm-hmm. look to him, which is exactly what he should have because that you know industry yeah. is represented by businessmen, right? Mm-hmm. So you got that, and he's like you know looking up at the gears, and it's like yeah, this this is our forest, this is what our parts are made of. Uh, it, it's just really wonderful stuff. Uh, so yeah, this is a this is a knockout issue, Matt. What are you rating? That's what I'm thinking. Issue twelve. Ten. Oh, <laughs> I was debating it. I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking about the ten. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> I go per- I kind of do. I'll go ten as well. Because I, I think. There you go. <sighs> It just it like it's one of those things where when something just sparks me so easily with like some good ideas mm-hmm. that I yep. just I, I get enraptured in the story when, and this is this is what that was. The way the Pale Pilgrim stuff unfolds and just the light bulb going off to those first few issues when we get in, like it was just perfectly paced, you know. So the fact that we got to this is the avatar of industrialization, and and what that led, you know, it was that that led. Levi to become the Swamp Thing. And just, it's all, it, it was set in motion all those times ago. It's just, it's so good. Like, it's Ram V and Mike Perkins working in harmony to make this go, and it's just it's so good. All right. Dark Knights of Steel, issue six, Tom Taylor writing with Yasmin Putri on the art. Um, so, we don't get any more of the, 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 the Kents raising uh, best Superman, Bruce Wayne. Uh, Shut up. <laughs> this issue, they're saving that for later. Uh, but we do get some intrigue here. Uh, so Tim Drake turns out he's a spy for in, in the House of Storms. Oh, he's a spy for Batman in the House yeah. of Storms. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Constantine basically kind of figured this out, 
and he's drinking himself silly because of Jefferson's death mm-hmm. and knocks him out of the room. Uh, when the others find out, when Jennifer finds out, she banishes him and tells him to leave. She's almost mm-hmm. going to kill him, but, uh, yeah. you know, is, is held back a little bit by Constantine. So uh, he goes and tells them that, yeah, they're coming for war. They're going to do this. And they think Zala killed Jefferson. And there was a whole boat full of witnesses. And Zala's like, what? <laughs> and we said, I said, you know, we said this last issue that yeah. I'm pretty convinced at this point that it was so blatant how she came and did that, that I'm pretty sure it's a shapeshifter or something and not her. Yeah. Well, and then with what we saw, what happened with Cal in, in the, one of the issues that has led to, mm. you know, Super Bruce. Maybe it was, but now I am oh, yeah. not oh, sure. Possibly mind control, actually. I'd say maybe they're being controlled for brief periods. Yeah. Right. Because now I'm not even sure what's going on with Cal. Because I thought what I had was like, oh, no, he's, you know, protecting his seat. Now I'm not so sure seeing him, what happens with him. Yeah, because we thought he you was know? a straight-up straight villain uh, yeah. from what he did to Bruce. But now, in this issue, he feels like he's not. So it could be that someone can control Kryptonians for periods of time and they don't remember right. it perhaps right and is this part of the green man thing like is this yeah yeah you know because there is something going on like like you said shapeshifter mind control whatever it is these guys the, the kryptonians don't remember anything yeah they, they have no idea so, well right. so zala certainly i mean cal's a little up in there like he still could remember that but it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like he does uh but yeah so the big problem here though is that if they go to war because the Amazons have like a, you know, a treaty it, with, with the Jeffersons right. and the Storms, uh, it means that they have to come and fight by their side against the House of El. <laughs> but what if Zala's girlfriend, who's who's Diana of Themyscira, what if she's the leader? Yeah, Waller's clearly implied. <laughs> if, we, if we kill off Hippolyta, then maybe we'll create a new era of peace and alliance because, you know, Zala oh, and Diana. It's such a Waller move, right? Like... Uh, even even in a medieval setting, Wallers still try to kill people for world peace, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so Kyle's whole thing is that he wants to fly off and try and prove to the Amazons that, mm-hmm. uh, like, not to go to war, that, that, that Zala didn't do this. So he flies off. Uh, I love that he said, because like, Paul's like, no man's allowed to set foot on uh, Themyscira. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've not set foot because he's like hovering like a like an yeah. inch above the ground. And she's like, that is a technicality, and pulls out a sword. <laughs> yeah, he's out of line, but he's right. Um, and he, he ends up with a sword ran through him. Yeah, they yeah. Do not want him there. No, they do not, and they end up keeping him captive in a, like a chamber, uh-huh. and uh, they're you know questioning him and torturing him or whatever. Uh, the whole the whole thing is quite interesting, but it's Lois who comes to see him, and you know this is the first time they're meeting. So obviously it's Lois and Clark. So you're like, ah, this might go somewhere. Uh, that, that got a cheap pop out of me. Um, yeah, of course it did. And, and then he's being bound by a as a, a golden rope. Yeah, a lasso effectively. Uh-huh. So, uh, so um, he's 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 brutally honest about things, uh, yeah. which means that you know he at least believes that Zala didn't do any of this. Right. Yeah. You know, so as far as he knows, it's the truth. Yeah, and, um, but unfortunately, yeah. Uh, they've already left to go to war. Uh, that's the cliffhanger yep. at the end of the issue. They're, they're sailing off. Yeah. Um, we we also get uh, that Constantine is like, uh, I I know how to bring, you know, and I I know how to bring the prince back because they can't can't bring Jefferson back because he's missing a heart. 
Well, we um, get to that because we didn't know that at first. He because right. what happens is he raises Etrigan, but then says, "Give me the head of the demon," and then it turns yep. into Razal Gul. So the you know things are working, you know, weirdly here in a fan fiction way. And yeah, and which I, I love because he's the demon's head. So what does yeah. he do? He's bonded with Etrigan. So um, so Razal Gul goes to see the bodies, and it's him that says, "Yeah, Jefferson's you know he's you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's too dead. I can't bring him back, but uh, the prince I can bring I can bring him back though." Uh, and I don't know if that just means he's going to like sort of all right, let's go to Lazarus Pit and yeah. <laughs> wake him up, but right, uh, which which if he remembers, if he beats the madness before they go to war, he would remember who who swooped him and dropped him, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, right? and Raz says I'll I'll bring him back under the condition Constantine that you give me where the Titans are. You don't have to like do anything, but just tell me where they are. And I'm thinking, who are the Titans exactly in this example? And is one of them Damien, and that's why he wants him. Yeah, maybe. I also thought like this is in a fan fictiony way. These are monsters. Oh, know, okay, like, like the, in the, the form of titans, actual titans rather than yeah. the Teen Titans. And the reason why I was oh no, obviously I don't expect Bruce has had a son, but I was thinking right. maybe he still has a grandson through Talia, just because. Mm-hmm. Just because you know, because maybe that's why he wants. Because we've already seen so many other characters that could be on Titans that are aren't right. like you know they're, right. they're you know they're Robins or the whatever, but they're doing stuff with the House of L or. Right, and that made me think, like, maybe Raven or Cyborg, like yeah. Cyborg, some magical mesh of man and machine, and, you know, or even Starfire is another form of an alien that's there. But, I, um, I mean, it could it could literally just be all the members we've not seen still as right. the Titans, but... Right, so, um, but yeah, that, that was another thing, but, but like you said, this is kind of fan fiction-y in the best way, because it's, it's constantly surprising me, um... Because I thought I had it figured out with, I was like, oh, well, Cal's just, you know, this is his kingdom. He's doing what he can to watch his throne. You know, he doesn't want the bastard ever coming for it. That's why he took out Bruce. But now it almost seems like that fit of rage wasn't fully Cal. It was something else going on. So I'm wondering if there's a, a Brainiac contingent. If there's, you know, mm. if it has to, you know, something along those lines. That or or I'm trying to think of a mind control person, a Max Lord person that that's there because now that I think about it, Zala going off and dropping the prince was very much, you know, what he used Superman for in that yes. in that storyline that led to Infinite Crisis. Uh, it will be back. It will be Max Lord. It'll be Lord Maxwell. <laughs> right, right. Or Maxwell Lord of whatever. Something. Yeah. 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 So. You know, it got my gears kicking that, oh, I have no idea what's going on still and we're halfway through this. Yeah, uh, obviously the art has been very consistent with Putri. Mm-hmm. Uh, Putri's art here, very, very, uh, just the soft colors and parts, um, just these medieval characters. I, I really love the, the design of Lois here because mm-hmm. it's still very much her, but it's it's just downstated enough. It's 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 very consistent. It's very tight mm-hmm. and uh, comfortable in the sense that I'm I'm never worried about the earth and feeling yeah. off, but they are uh, with Putri. Um, I wouldn't say the coloring is necessarily to my taste. It's it kind of mm-hmm. you know it's it's perfectly suited for this setting and yeah. for this type of story. But because I'm not a huge fan of this type of story, typically, right. uh, it's, you know, it doesn't appeal too much to me as much. But that's okay. Um, but yeah, obviously, all the usual stuff is is very good uh, there. So, uh, particularly the expressions when you know when Jennifer's mad at Tim Drake for being a being, mm-hmm. a, being a mole and things like that, like those moments sell really well, and I think that that works. And you know, I, I mentioned the moment where 
Tim tells the you know the Queen and you know everyone else that you know they they said Zala killed you know Jefferson. Uh-huh. That reaction on Zala's face in that moment is just art. There's no dialogue to tell right. for her to say, "Oh, I didn't do that." It's just on her face. Like, wait, what? Yeah. So you know, props to the art because it sold that expression. It sold that that reaction on its own. So. Yeah, for real. So good. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, what are you giving Dark Knight of Steel issue six? Um, I'm gonna give this an eight. Uh, I'm just gonna go with a seven. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it just doesn't appeal to me quite as much, but I do think it's very tightly written and it's always an easy read. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, so seven out of ten for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rogues issue two, Joshua Williamson writing with Leo Max on art, and this is a story of two halves. This issue. So last issue it was you know Captain Cold getting the team together and then kind of getting them all involved in a murder at the end, so they're all in deep kind of thing. Yeah, you're, uh, you're in whether you like it or not. Now this issue is very much the first half is the journey to try and find. Gorilla City, mm-hmm. and you know, so you got a bit of a montage with them raiding in buses, paying for plane tickets, uh, trekking through the jungle, finding like, the decoy place, which I, I did love that uh, the trickster realised, this is a decoy, this is a trick. Yep. <laughs> he figures it out, he's like, this is too but, easy, and this looks too you know, I was expecting something bigger <laughs> than this. Well, I also love how when, yeah, when they when they find it, and it it's just like a series of treehouse, it looks like, you know, the the, and, and the new planet of the apes, the the society that that Caesar created, and I'm like, I've seen Gorilla City before. Yeah, it, it does not look like this. So something's up, and the fact that it made um, it made Cold seem like a fool, and it made him question his relevancy again, because that's what that's what caused this all to begin with. Oh, of course, yeah. You know, yeah. so it's it's these constant setbacks that are pushing him to go, you know, maybe take things a little bit too far. Yeah, and I don't um, want to get into all of them, but there is a lot of nice little moments up to this point where they're, yeah. you know, they're on their little boat and it's like Apocalypse Now where they're raining down the river mm-hmm. and like, there's some conversations between him and his sister. Uh-huh. Uh, there's, you know, there's moments between some of the Heat other wave. characters. Uh, Magenta has to, like, you know, pick up the boat to, like, because at first it won't sail because it's, like, stuck in the land. and you know, they, just... Yeah, they said they had a boat. They, you didn't ask if it worked. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. And, yeah, her picking that up and shocking everybody. I thought that was a fun moment. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's good stuff. And you know, then the argument when they find this like decoy, but then yeah. the trickster starts laughing, and I love that he figures it out because he he yeah. plays tricks on people. Mm-hmm. So they they open it up, and it turns out there's like a sort of service tunnel almost to the real Gorilla City. And the big cliffhanger, or, well, not cliffhanger, but the big reveal yeah. halfway through is that this is the future. Remember, this is not present day Gorilla City. Right. And it turns out that they have built what I would describe as a metropolis <laughs> underground. Yeah. This is like a you know, a Blade Runner looking city <laughs> underground and it, they're, you know, they're like, whoa, this is completely different from what we were expecting. Yeah. Did you ever have to read Animal Farm? I did not, no. So, so basically the end of Animal Farm, it ends that the, they can't tell the difference between the pigs and the humans because the pigs have become, you know, just another form of it. And... It just kept reminding me here, because when you see the gorillas, they've just copied, you know, they were supposed to be advanced and better, right? They've just copied what oh, we yeah. did. Grod's a guy in a business suit now. He's got a business suit yeah. on. He, They've got meetings like gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so I know sometimes tropey gets used in, as something that's bad. It's used as a pejorative. 
This book has been so tropey in all the best ways. Like the heist element, this adventure element of going through the jungle. Now it's become a mob thing, like complete to some of the dialogue, you know, between like I was, you know, and, and the design of one of the uh, gorillas. He looks like the Godfather. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know? And your grod loses his temper for a moment, says, no, that's the uh -huh. old me. I'm civilized now. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. very Tony Soprano-esque. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that going on. Um, and they're talking about how they're trying... So he's got a wife and kid now. You know, we see them briefly. But there's a lot of, like... Um, he kills another ape because he was going to work with a human to, like, undermine him or something like that. Uh -huh. And the wife's like, wait, I, I'm friends with his wife. Well, how am I supposed to, like, look at her now? And, like, yeah. like you, you don't talk to her now. Like, that's it. Like, you know, uh -huh. th this ape's, you know, committed the crime. That's us. Um, you don't know. You yeah. don't know him. So, no, it's... um. It's it's all really good stuff, and uh, then we have like the the rogues like sort of casing the place out, like looking for where they're actually going to rob stuff from. Um, they find that there's like a big bank, and they do note though that there's like a really big energy reading coming off one of the buildings, so it feels like there's going to be mm -hmm. something revealed next issue about maybe someone or something that's in there that isn't just money and gold. Yeah, but uh, so they're teasing up mysteries like that. Um. But yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's, it's very much you know a city of the apes where you've got mm -hmm. all these gorillas and like security guard uniforms with guns in front of the bank and like all this stuff. Uh, yeah. So it's like, yeah, okay, there's going to be a really fun heist issue next issue. Then, like, we're getting back yeah. to that, but it's in a really different context to what we probably thought it was going to be. Yeah, and like, um, was it Trickster goes off and uh, plays cards mm -hmm. with a group of them and finds out that their money is gold coins. So they're they're on to something. So so Lynn was partially right um uh about that. But like the fact like there are some humans in the city, so they don't stick out so bad. I did yeah. like that little Yeah, little I also piece. I really like the moment where like Cole's still trying because they're all saying this is much harder than we thought. This is completely yeah. different. This is a full city, the security, like what like we can't do this. And they turn to like a glider and say, like, can like, do you think there's a chance we can actually do this, realistically? And I like that it takes, like, a whole page of her looking around, looking at the city, and she looks up, and then she says, F, F Grodd. Yeah. And it's like, okay. It's on, they're going to do it, that's the big thing. And then the ending of the issue, uh, although after Cold has, like, a like a panic attack where he sort of slaps himself in the alleyway. Yeah, so at first I thought he was being attacked by somebody, and then I realized... Do the art that no, that's his own hands. Yeah, he's just slapping himself yeah. to sort of keep himself like, I don't know, straight and thinking, you know, thinking yeah, clearly. He's, he's snapping himself back in. Yeah, uh, but he's you know he's not feeling really great. But he does get hit. He gets knocked down. He gets picked up, and then uh, you know the the detective gorilla like grabs him that we saw earlier on. From Angel and the Ape. Yeah, uh, grabs him. Says, "What the hell are you doing here, Cold?" And I don't know. Is, is this the one that was in the flashback in the first issue at the bar that maybe revealed? Yep, yeah, that's, that's the one that he was. He was there. He was the one that was talking about Gorilla City. That, that makes sense. That he's this is the one that knows him. Then, yeah. Yep. And so. then the the right hand man to Grodd is Gorilla Grim, who we knew from Nightwing. Yeah, that's he's right. In that's the right. Super support group, which I thought that was fun to bring him in. Um, so him him being the right hand and kind of the fixer. Yeah, he because he's got the uh the more patchwork looking suit jacket, right? Suit. He's, yeah. Yep. And then, uh, you know, uh, Grodd looking like Kingpin. 
right? He's had a, a cut down his yeah, eye. But it's, it's, it's very kingpin because he's like the mayor of the yeah. city, and he's trying. He's, yeah, he's he's talking about like balancing the budget, but then he also gets mm-hmm. angry and like you know kills an ape. <laughs> so right, and he and he smashes the dude's head with his telepathy, and that's where he's or telekinesis, and it's like, no, we're not doing that. I'm not that anymore. Uh, so I just love that that all that character development there, and just seeing what Girl City's become outside of Sol- uh, Solovar. And that they even talk about is like, oh, we sat on the council. Solvar would have approved. He'd be fine with all this. And it was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. He was trying to keep you guys from becoming this. Um, so yeah, it was. It's oh man. And so when I say it's tropey, I mean that as a compliment because this is hitting on all these things that you know, it's it's a rogues heist now that became a gangster movie. You know, halfway through. But it was also super cool. But it was an adventure thing in the middle before that as well. Yeah, exactly. There's been all these segments to it. It's cool that, and and because of comics, you don't question. They all melt together really well. You know, it doesn't feel out of place when it becomes the gangster story. It fits still. Yeah, I mean, it's still all the same. Because I expect it'll swing back around to heist because they're actually going to do the heist next issue, but. Right. Yeah, like yeah, it's been really fascinating to see it go through all these different phases, and and it's like built up the stakes and, too because I feel like there's not whatever has given Grodd the power to take over the city isn't gold, right? It's whatever is powering in that. Oh yeah, sure, yeah. And honestly, like not not to be negative about other things, but mm-hmm. this is easily the best thing Williamson wrote this week. Yeah, this is the fourth yeah. Williamson book we've talked about today, mm-hmm. and I'm enjoying the crossover. And I didn't hate Death of Justice League, but no. But this is head and shoulders above them. This this is this is a far superior comic book. When he hits, he really hits. You know this this felt like when Nailbiter was really hitting. Uh, how he's well, see, I, I haven't threads. read that, so I, I'm going purely right. on his DC work. So I wouldn't say yeah. he actually hits like this that often. There's only a couple so, of times he's done that. Yeah, for for me, who's read his uh, a lot of his independent stuff, like like again, um. Nailbiter and Birthright, when those hit, they're they they're top notch. Man, great storytelling. So you know, yeah, in his superhero books, it's been rare, but he he's done it a couple times. Not like this though. This is the the first one I feel. Maybe the Flash special. There was, um, was the annual, I think, in the, the middle. Annual. It was run when Wally came back properly. Yeah. Or, yeah, it wasn't when Wally came back, but it was when Wally's story got properly yeah. explored. Yeah. That that might be the 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 biggest bullseye he's had up to rogues, but yeah, yeah this is like I, this might be his best DC work thus far. I think it's part of it is maybe just because it's so focused. It's 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 not confined to like having to like be in continuity or anything like that. So it's right. just like it's still playing off of his love of a lot of these characters, but yeah. it's untethered and doesn't have to worry about setting things up for the future. It's just a contained story that has to set up its own things that it'll pay mm-hmm. off by the end of the story, and I think that is really helping. Uh, but. This is definitely the most thing. This is uh, by far what I've enjoyed the most from Williamson, yeah. I think, since the start of his writing in DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't doubt him with certain projects, but certainly his continuity stuff's a bit more, you know, a bit more, you know, just fine uh, by yeah. comparison. So, uh, and the art again from from Leo Max is is solid throughout, and he gets to do so much stuff. We get, you know, we get like this sort of apocalypse now style journey in the river and the jungle uh-huh. in the first half. And then we get this like metropolis, like slightly futuristic ape city in the second half, yeah, like that, that is somehow still like more like set in the forties because of the the way they're dressed, because of the suits and stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so like it's this mishmash, and it absolutely works. Yeah. So so yeah. Uh, it's a very delightful book to look at. Uh, the expressions are constantly great. There's a lot of good little moments where. You know, it's, it's usually Cold and Glider more than anyone else who are reacting to each other, but you get these little mm-hmm. these little bits here or there of them. Because uh, there's a moment where Cold's like, hey, were you and Bronze Tiger a thing at one point? And she's kind of just, you know, her reaction to that is really good and there's like little moments. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Rogues Issue 2 gets a thumbs up from me. Uh, Matt, what are you rating Rogues Issue 2? I'm giving this a 9. Yeah, I have to agree with a 9. Uh, I thought it was excellent, so... Mm-hmm. There you go. That'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite artist, and of course, rank our top five books. So we'll start off with panel slash moment, Matt. What you got? Um, shoot. I'm, I don't want to steal yours. I feel like yours is from Swamp Thing too. <laughs> Where do I want to go with that? I'll, I'll, I'll let you have the Swamp Thing one. I'll go from action when Superman gets the or- orphan box and this is how we win. And it's an inspirational. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. That was really good. That's really great. Now it probably is from Swamp Thing, although I'm not sure which one you're convinced I'm taking because I I don't know which one I'm taking. Okay. <laughs> after after you tell me which one, we'll see if I was right. Okay. Well, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, what moment speaks to me specifically? Because uh, I mean, the body and the machine parts is pretty good. You got the nuclear mm-hmm. bomb at the end is pretty good. You got all these things. Um, but because my favorite scene in the book is the speech that the pale uh thing you get pale pilgrim was gives, but I wouldn't say there's a great moment in there from like a that we normally sort of pick for a moment like this where there's like a good piece of art or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I don't know if I would necessarily say that specifically. So. I, I, yeah, I think um, I think I might go with the first page of the epilogue scene because it was such a like. What are we doing now? <laughs> that, that's what I was gonna pick yeah. too. So I was right. Yeah. So yeah. you know, just seeing the mushroom cloud and then like talking about her, I was like, "Who's yep. her? What are we yep. doing? Ram V, you madman! What are you doing?" It, it was a WTF moment in the like best sense where you're like what what is what is going on you know um and then you turn that page and you're just like not that that's not all what i guessed so mm. so yeah so there you go yep excellent all right uh cover of the week do you have a pick oh i said it last week um and there's a lot of good covers um but the the rogues with them sneaking past the giant gorilla statue it's so pulpy. So I mean, good. yeah, that's one of the ones I've got in contention. I do like the regular Swamp Thing cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, the regular action cover is... Fin- uh, the variant, both both covers for action are very, very, yep. very good. Those are up there. Um, uh, as, far, as far as Justice League goes, I'd say the one I like... It's kind of mm-hmm. a little different than normal for me, but I like the, uh, the Team Nook cover, which is... Uh, I think it's just because it's like a very 90s-looking Grip, grip of the characters uh-huh. just uh looking up uh, i kind of like um there is a behermo cover for te- detective uh, with riddler who looks nothing like he does in the comic book itself it's just a <laughs> general riddler but yeah that's what it is uh but i think i will ultimately go with the regular cover for 
action comics is going to be my okay. pick. But Rogues is close. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah, I also want to shout out, there's a Middleton uh, Dark Knight to Steel variant with, with Zala. I almost said Supergirl. Um, holding a sword. Well, it kind of looks... is, is Supergirl. But... Yeah, but you know, when I say Supergirl, I mean I, I usually mean uh, Kara. But um, I like that one a lot, too. I mean, the, the regular Dark Knight to Steel cover with the split Batman Superman is mm. kind of cool, too. But yeah, no, that, that Rogues cover, though, that speaks to my soul. Alright. Uh, Art of the Week? Oh, Swamp Thing. Mike Perkins, that's easy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Federici's great on action, uh-huh. um, and Leo Max on Rogues is Rogue. great, but I'm also going to have to agree with Swamp Thing with uh, Perkins. So, there you go. All right, rank your top five, Matt. All right, number one, Swamp Thing. Number two, action. Number three, Rogues. Number four, Dark Knights of Steel. Number five, I can't, I'm trying to remember if I leave. Uh, I tech. Okay. Uh, so number one for me is Swamp Thing. Number two for me is Rogues. Number three for me is Action. Number four is Detective. And then number five, um, I would probably throw in... Uh, what was the second thing? It was Robin, issue 13. Yeah. I was trying to remember which one was second. <laughs> the two of them. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know if I wanted to go tech or Robin, and I eventually went tech. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, but that is that is that is that. So uh, I will tell you what's coming next week from Detective Comics Comics. Yes, that's what uh, it stands for. It does. It's so dumb. Yeah, I it's love silly. it though. But yeah, so coming next week, we got Batman 123, which is part five of Shadow War. We got mm-hmm. the free comic book day special for Dark Crisis. Um, I don't know how much of that's actually going to be. I will like, let you know because I'm clicking on it. Because I think there's other things in it. It's not just that. So I don't know how much of a read that's going to be necessarily. But uh, sometimes they reprint things and these things and whatnot. So the only, the only writers that they are, the creators they have are... Josh Williamson, Daniel Sampierre. Okay. So it might just be... Might just be a 20-page issue. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. Um, so you got that. You got Flashpoint Beyond issue one, so we'll see how that <laughs> that goes. So, you know, these Garrett's cowards, though, I mean... It's more, it's more he, of a, a car crash series at this point, I think. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. These Garrett's covered, I, I'm at this point, I'm probably just getting it physically just to have those covers. Um, cause it, cause it, it makes it hard not to. Sure. Cause like, look at, look at pirate Batman. He's got a sword and trident. Like, yeah. Well, we also got Batman killing time issue three task Force Z issue seven suicide squad issue 15 Batman beyond Neo year issue two monkey prince issue four one star squadron issue six world of Krypton issue six Nubia coronation special issue one. And Earth Prime 3 Legends of Tomorrow. And shout out to Legends of Tomorrow, which got cancelled yesterday uh, after seven seasons, which is a shame. Uh, But, yeah, so... Yeah, there's a lot of minis and stuff at the back half of the list that none of us are reading. But, um, you know, obviously that first half is interesting. What will be really weird next week is that Connor is not reading a lot of the same books that uh, me and you are reading. So next week I'll be talking about, like, four or five books and Connor will be talking about one of them. (laughs) So... well. If if I have time and if I read them, um, I'll send you my thoughts. So it's not just you rambling. Oh sure. I read mine in there, um, especially with something like uh, the Dark Crisis uh, uh, special. So I'm sure I'll have thoughts on that one. 
Oh, for sure, yeah. That'll be, that'll be the big thing. Uh, so that is what's coming next week. I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers, which is one of the higher tiers over at patreon.com slash TV. We can support us for as little as a dollar per month, but to thank the producers themselves, thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, thank you to them all. And of course, you can support us for as little as $1 over there. Uh, $5 tier, you get early access to the show whenever it's ready and out the oven or late on a Saturday. Uh, you'll get it then. But uh, if you're interested, go and have a look and see if you want to support all the content we do. Uh, and also, check out other stuff from uh, MailFuzz. Uh, you can go over to MailFuzz TV or MailFuzz Movies, the YouTube channels, and check out the movie podcast or the TV episode reviews. Uh, if you like me and Connor are bickering and arguing, check out the TV news this weekly. <laughs> How do you uh, argue about news? It's news. Ah, I mean, you know, we find a way. Life finds a way, Matt. It's, it's Connor. <laughs> yeah. Plus, he, he uh, takes a swig of booze every time. Like, we've, we've got a few drinking rules for the news uh, for when certain things show up in the, the synopses for the shows that are getting announced. <laughs> the like, word the, he takes a drink. No, no, no. If, if there's a variation of the phrase personal and professional life oh, because they use that a lot he has to take yeah. a drink if someone is going back to their hometown at the start of a show they has to take a drink uh, if someone's going to discover a dark secret about their family or about their their group of work friends or whatever mm-hmm. he has to take a drink uh, there's maybe one or two more but those are the main ones uh, <laughs> so go check that out uh, and of course you can get us on twitter at DC Comics Podcast so go and look us up on there Maybe give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Five stars with a review. Helps us out a lot. And just, you know, generally shares around. So uh, thank you uh, for joining the show once again on episode 303. Um, like I say, Matt will be taking a week off next week, but Connor mm-hmm. will be back. So you get a different dynamic. And then uh, hopefully the following week it'll be the three of us again, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. That's really up to Connor, because you'll definitely be back. It's well that Connor's yeah, I'll be back. available for that week. We'll see. But... Uh, that is the show. Um. Oh yeah, I have to come back to that next week. Uh, Jurassic League comes out. <laughs> oh, by the way, just as we were starting, I think a new uh, Jurassic World uh, trailer dropped for the. Oh man, that one! I'm trying not to get caught in the nostalgia bubble, right? I'm a, I'm a um, little jaded right now. I was all, I, you know, I, I kind of felt my uh, my eyes rolling a little bit. Like, look, we've got the three yeah. actors from the first movie. You know, in the yeah, first but like when I when I see Doctor Grant walking to see Doctor Sattler, it just man, it it, it fills me with emotion because you know, um, I I love that first movie so so much, and then they're really good in the the third one together, so. Uh, Maybe it'll, maybe it'll add a good dynamic. I don't have high hopes for that one. Um, but, but we will see. I'm expecting glorious B-movie schlock. That's what I want from it. But that, then If that's what we get, perfect. Uh, but yeah. So there you go. That's the show. That is Cause from the Multiverse. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. But remember, to never get lost in the Speed Force. And being without Connor, that's how we win. Thank you.